three men help to carry your friend to the statue. Kurtz? Yes. The Romanian? Yes. And... Say about the third man. He didn't give evidence. You don't mean the doctor? No, no, no. Yours, yours, mine, mine, theirs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Theirs, the movie podcast. We're on a very special day. We let birthday boys pick their own movies. Hey. My name is Roy, and I have written a poem. So just sit there and be quiet, okay? So, happy birthday, John. I watched the movies you picked, Third Stalker Harry. Is that a, is that a haiku? It's a haiku. Oh. You're welcome for the haiku. Okay. Uh, n- next year, please rhyme for me, please. I mean, it only comes <laughs> once a year. It's the least you can do. All right. All right. Hey, I'm John. Uh, you know, I bet we can get through this entire podcast in like 15 minutes, but my white hanky attached to metal washers seems to be telling me this conversation is going to meander for at least two and a half hours. <laughs> That's right. The straight path is never the fastest. Nope. <laughs> okay. I have questions about that hanky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I do too. It's going to be the same questions, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, as, if you can't tell already, I mean, here we are, and uh, we've let our guests indulge in these crazy uh, categories we've kind of given, which the first one is the. I think we started this because we started out doing the movies that made us. Yes, we did. Yeah. And then we're like, well, our guests should be allowed to do that too. And then John said, hey, this whole podcast, at least half of it, well, the whole thing should be with guests. Right. Like every week should be with did guests. Did I say and that? So, <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. We, we, had a, uh, we had a discussion and I was like, I like it doing it, the two of us. And you said, I like it with guests. And so that's fine. I, I but, almost um, want to tell you, I feel like the roles were reversed in that conversation. <laughs> I thought you hired this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. Right. So anyway, but we've developed these categories for our guests, and the second time around is movies you've never seen before. And this year, we were like, "Why don't we get to yeah, do that? Wanna I want to explore yeah. the these categories." And so here we are. So John, these are the three you picked, and the the Woody Allen movie was inevitable. Right, right, right. Except that I was not aware you had a Woody Allen movie you had never seen before. It's one of yeah. I think there are probably like four that i've never seen and that was just right from the right era yeah all right well there it is and then so here we are we're watching the third man and uh so why why the third man i mean it's a classic where was myrna loy in this she's not in it isn't she married to the third man oh the third man Oh man, Myrna Loy would have would have uh, been great in the Third Man. So Hitchcock, uh, it, it's obviously great, and the Third Man's a pretty famous movie. I will tell you, it's ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I don't believe Hitchcock's name is associated with the Third Man. Is it not? Is not this not a Hitchcock film? No. Wow. Okay. It's, it's like well, Cook or something. It's uh, I never I, claimed to know anything about movies. Why have I always assumed this was a Hitchcock? I, you said that last time. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Carol Reed is the director. Oh, okay. I thought Carol... Oh, Carol Reed's production. Well, there you go. What do I know? Okay. Anyway, so yeah, but anyway, why this film? We almost picked this for Detectives, but... And I think it would have worked, but not because of the main our character. friend Holly, yeah. but because of the, the the police inspector. Yeah. So I think that would have worked. But anyway, so why are we watching The Third Man, John? Well, we're watching The Third Man because uh, I always wanted to complete The Thin Man you know, sextet. <laughs> and I, I assume this was the third thin man. Yeah. Um, but also I've, I've heard the title a bunch of times and I think I overheard someone saying, 
yeah, you don't even know who the third man is. And I, and that kind of sat with me. I'm like, I don't know who the third man is. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to spoil me about who the third man is. And so I'm like, I have to watch this movie right now, and I have to spoil everyone listening right now. Yeah, sorry, you guys. Now, there is a thing, though. If if you've seen the poster of this film, the second name on the poster is, like, the most famous actor of this time. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's in the opening credits, and... It's in the opening credits. How long did it take you? I think, think well... I mean, okay, okay, we're kind of talking about the third man right now. If you haven't seen it, just just be aware. Well, okay, let's launch into it. Here we are. We're talking about the third man. Okay. Oh, also, we watched uh, this movie called Stalker. It's and it's uh, it, it's nondescript. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the reviews I heard from Stalker was it doesn't make sense to try to make sense of this film, right? Right. Well, but we we will talk about that because uh, when we had our film class, I, we must have had some Tarkovsky. Uh, if not our freshman year, my senior year, I'm sure I watched some Tarkovsky. Um, but anyway, okay. yeah. Do you have records of... You should dig up your senior year film stuff, because you always mention like that, but syllabus. I wasn't around for that. Yeah. <laughs> the syllabus, I don't... Yeah, I should. I don't know. But so there's a scene in The Stalker that I think I have thought of my entire life from from college as being like, this is how Russians make movies. And it's like... And I swear it actually is from Stalker. And it's when they're on that dumb car, that like train cart, and it's just them, just their heads traveling, just their heads traveling for like five minutes, I, and all you see is them traveling. And and I and I swear I saw that in film, in film school. Did, anyway, did the Soviet Union like did they make films that way to get people used to standing in line? Maybe. I think they couldn't afford an editor. <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> you had to like only have so many shots. The editors were paid per shot, right? So. I don't know. I have more to anyway, say about the amount of shots. We'll get there. Okay, the third man, right? Yeah. The, the ironically, the first movie. Yeah. So, but again, the question is, how long did it take you before you're like, oh, the third man has to be Orson Welles because we're halfway into the film yeah. and the most famous actor has not shown up. It, yet. it was halfway through. I remember his his name appearing at the beginning, and I'm like, hey, a really famous Unicron hasn't appeared yet. <laughs> So it's got to be his cherubic face has got to show up soon. And Speaking of his cherubic face, he it, he shows like his passport photo at some point, and he's got like the stupidest grin. <laughs> Who takes a passport photo like that? He's oh, yeah, he's got the stupidest grin. He's one of those characters, and we're getting way ahead. He's one yeah. of those guys who's like, okay, I can sense this confidence, but why? Oh, why is Alita Valley so obsessed with this guy? Like, yeah. you know, it was like this weird, hurtful relationship when he was alive. <laughs> and while he was killing children. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, let's get into this. Uh, I'm going to sum this up as uh, quick as I can. Mm-hmm. So we have our friend Holly, uh, Holly Martins, who has shown up in Vienna. And I didn't know that Vienna, after the war, was being governed by four countries. I didn't know that. I just assumed one city in the world was doing that. Like Berlin, yeah. it's just Berlin, uh, but apparently it was also Vienna. Did they? And could I, they not afford the permits for Berlin, and they just made up that fact? By the way, four <laughs> countries are <laughs> are uh, in charge of Vienna. I know. I looked it up. Vienna did have this okay. situation going on, so oh, wow. which is like okay. news to me. Anyway, our friend shows up in Vienna because that's where his friend Harry, Henry Lime lives, and he can't wait to see his friend Henry. His friend Henry forgets to pick him up at Harry. the train station. Harry 
Yeah, I have it written here as Henry, but I know it's Harry. So what am I? What can you do? Harry doesn't pick him up because he's a bum, and also because he's dead. He's dead. So our friend Holly goes to the funeral, and at the funeral you see Anna Schmidt, who is shedding some tears, and you also see the police inspector who has a jacket that I'm not sure if it's leather or a slicker. Mm-hmm. It's like a slicker leather jacket. It's leather? It's leather, yeah. <laughs> cool. It's the only leather jacket that you're supposed to wear in the rain. So, mm. um, and <laughs> so he, he uh, the, the cops kind of says, hey, why are you here? Why are you at the funeral? And he says, well, I'm glad you came, but guess what? You're on the next airplane back out, right? So the, the cops are kind of hustling him out the door. Um, but he's he's kind of doesn't really understand what's going on or what happened to, to Harry. And so he wants to piece it together. So he kind of sticks around. He runs into some characters. We meet the Baron, who, man, the Baron, I love that guy's face. He's a, he's a great character. Fat Hitler. Yeah, Fat Hitler. And we meet <laughs> a doctor. What was the doctor's name? Do- Dr. Kurtz? Dr. V, v-, v- uh, starts with a W, but you pronounce it with a V. Uh, what is it? Dr. No, Baron Kurtz and Dr. Winkle. Winkle. Dr. Winkle. That's right. And so after talking to them, they both say, I think one of them says that Harry died right away, but one of them says that he he gave instructions on how to take care of Harry. They just didn't get their story straight. They did not get their story straight. And then he later talks to the porter uh, who oversaw the accident. Harry was hit by a car, by his own car, by the way. And he says that there were three men that carried the body and that the man was definitely dead. And I think one of the things we're told is someone whose head looked like that would, you know, could not have like been alive, right? Mm-hmm. So gross smushing head. So John, there's a third man, right? And, so, and well, and also like Holly is like because he received instructions. Like my dying, his dying wish, Lime's dying wish was to tell you to just not worry about stuff. And maybe go home or something like that. Uh, and he's like, "Really? How can a guy whose head looks like that give a dying wish like that?" And you yeah. know, why do I matter that much? So that's what tips him off, right? Yeah. So anyway, there, he learns from the porter that there was a third man, and that's the whole. Everything is wrapped up in that little mystery. Who's the third man? He also gets to know Mrs. Schmidt, who loved Harry, and also she got her fake passport from Harry. And so Holly is kind of falling in love with her, which was inevitable. Um, but the cops finally kind of fill him in as to why he did, shouldn't stick around to try and solve this because Harry wasn't a great person. No. Harry was involved in the black market, which I guess everyone in Vienna is involved in the black market. But some people sell like, uh, you know, illegal fruity pebbles or things that are scarce, but people really want them. But Harry, he liked to uh, buy penicillin from a doctor who was uh, stealing penicillin from the hospital, and then he would dilute it and sell it. So he would he dilute it, it with poison, <laughs> right? It's the same. It's it's Mister Gower's uh, drugstore yeah, poison. I think Mister yeah. Gower was living in Vienna <laughs> shortly before. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. It, I did have a question about that because he's. Sure. I don't. I don't know if this has to. I don't. I'm no doctor. But he said he diluted the penicillin, and some of these children had meningitis. So I think it's kids who needed the penicillin to survive the meningitis, but because they weren't getting a large enough dose because it was diluted, they died. So kids that could have been saved yeah. were 
died. But and also they went. The ones who survived though go insane. They go insane. Like they're so, they're in insane the children. Yeah. I'm I'm just not. I mean, because it sounds really bad the way they describe it. I'm just trying to piece together. Like he must have diluted the penicillin with poison because that's why they're <laughs> after him. Is like okay, the lucky children died from that diluted. Like. It, it kind of seems like the cops are saying because the penicillin was diluted, the children either died or went insane. I, he didn't say what would happen if they just kept the meningitis. It, he seemed to imply that the actual medicine, the diluted medicine, would kill them. But I don't know how just diluted penicillin would do that, unless there's something special with meningitis. It's like if you don't kill meningitis all the way, then the meningitis makes you go insane and/or kills you and your neighbor. Yeah, I think that's what that's yeah. it. that's how it works. So. After he is told these things by Callaway, uh, and there's also a Sergeant Payne, who's just delightful. I like Sergeant, Sergeant Payne a lot, great. yeah. Sergeant Payne possibly has a rhino porn addiction, mm-hmm. as uh, he was looking at some rhino slides. I don't know. Got a little weird. It's weird. Um, <laughs> but there's a great moment here where it's what I call the crime evidence montage, and there's like... <laughs> vials and magnifying glasses and papers and it's just edited into like this lovely montage of solving crimes yes <laughs> anyway it's wonderful I, so i'll ask about that actually yeah so harry <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes so harry decides that he will help the police uh figure out get to the bottom of this mystery have they dug up the oh no not yet okay so his deal is they have to get Holly out of town because Holly's about to get swept up by the Russians because she's actually not German. She's his Czech. name is Holly. Her name is Anna. Well, it's a it's an understandable mistake. Uh, it's it? very so, understandable. What's the deal with the name Holly? That's another question I have. I don't know. It's a silly name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But this is where we find out that the third man who's been hanging out underneath Anna's uh, building in the shadows in a long wool coat and hat. It's Harry Lime, and we know because the cat only likes him, and the cat goes right on over to him. And he escapes in the sewers, and uh, he tells the cops, and they're like, well, that can't be possible. But then they dig up the body, and guess whose body was actually in there? It's the doctor that was providing the penicillin. It's the the orderly or whatever. It's Yeah, the, whoever the inside man which was. It's, it's the inside man, which is kind of, I think that's another sign of how bad Harry is, because... Um, you know, it's not like he was just, like, desperate and trying to do this thing and doing this, but he was just kind of, I don't know, kind of, uh, oh, like, uh, kind of happy about the whole thing when you when you meet him eventually, and, and the person who was killed was his associate who was helping him out, um, yeah. and I think he was, like, getting retribution on that guy because he was informing, the cops were using this poor guy as an informant, and he gets run over by Harry Lime's car as a result. There you so, go. Yeah. Also, less uh, profits to have to split. Yeah. Although I don't know how he's getting his supply anymore. But anyway, it's a, it doesn't really matter. What matters is he's alive. The cops dig up the body. They know that Harry's still alive. And then he goes to meet Harry. He goes and finds his friends, Kurtz and Vinkle, and he says, I know Harry's alive. Tell him that I'm going to be at the Ferris wheel and uh, I, I'll buy some cotton candy and whatever. Tell him to come meet me on the Ferris wheel. So he comes to the Ferris wheel, and it turns out that Harry Lime is kind of the worst. Hmm. I don't know how, like, they were really good friends before. Maybe Holly's a terrible judge of character. But it's not only is, like, it true what he's been doing with the penicillin. He's 
kind of like jazzed about it and he wants to get uh he wants to get our friend holly in on the ground floor although i guess we're past the ground he floor seems to want to i mean he's all about profit which is why he doesn't kill everybody but yeah. his speech seems to imply that uh he's just indiscriminate he doesn't care yeah. about any human being because he yeah they're just dots to him that he could just what if that dot over there didn't exist it doesn't hurt me it's great Yep, it's a, he. He gives this very callous speech about how like the people who die don't doesn't matter because he doesn't know them. What are what are they to him, right? Yeah. So it's funny because so, I didn't know him. Yeah. <laughs> so Holly is so upset that he decides he is going to help the cops if the cops get Anna out of here. And Anna is on the train, but she sees Holly at the station. And she's like, "What's going on?" So she confronts him, and and he's like, okay, fine, I won't turn on Harry. But then the police, as he's trying to leave town, they're like, okay, we'll take you to the the airport, but on the way, let's visit the hospital. And, you know, it's crummy, so Holly's back again. (laughs) And so they get, they kind of sucker Harry into meeting them at a cafe, and when he does, the cops converge, and they go back into the sewers, and there's a whole lot of sewer chasing. John, doggone it, Harry kills Sergeant Payne, which is just, like, a little upsetting. Sergeant Payne was maybe the best person in this movie, yeah, yeah. as far as good people go. And he's a big fan of, of Holly's books, and no one's a fan of Holly's books. He's a terrible writer. I forgot to mention that Holly got invited to a seminar because they thought he was a good writer. And when he started talking about the books he wrote, you could like the poor organizer of the event <laughs> looks so humiliated. <laughs> he looks so humiliated. It, it, it's like the worst case scenario. Like, what do you think of this great writer? And he's like, oh, I just, I don't know. I just, <sighs> yeah, he was so out of his element. He's like, oh, I should not have come to Europe to discuss literature. People actually read here. <laughs> Anyway, Calloway shoots back at Harry, who gets shot. And at this point, I don't think it matters what happens from here because he's now crawling around in urine and poop, and that's going to get infected. And it's funny because, you know, this whole thing's about penicillin. I guess maybe he's got enough to help himself out if he can get out of the sewer. Maybe he's but carrying he is, all the pen- the good penicillin, got- like under like like pretty much like Charles Grodin's like money belt that he had yeah. in Midnight Run. <laughs> Okay, so, but he's, the final confrontation is between him and Holly. Harry and Holly, they finally look each other in the eye, and you hear a shot, and uh, Holly comes out unscathed. So Holly has shot his friend. Now, I suppose it could be kind of a point-break ending where he lets him go, Um, but I guess he would have died anyway, and also, I don't know, I think they would have... They would have been like, "Where's the body?" Is like, "Oh, um, I don't know." Then I guess that would have been a problem. It, it was. I thought it was kind of weird that the that it was just kind of like the him walking back alone kind of. But I guess it's more dramatic and cool. It's more dramatic. So I mean, that's mostly in the end of the movie. Holly's about to leave town again and decides to stick around for the girl and the girl that he he just posts up right. Yeah, yeah like, maybe, maybe she'll notice how cool. I <laughs> he's look. like he's like you know putting out the vibe against the side <laughs> of the car. He's like, oh, here she comes, a walking down the street. You know, like yeah. <laughs> and she just keeps going. So it's that was like okay. I kind of have an award for that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, me too. Well, so how exciting. So this movie, right? Yeah. There's there's a couple things. We should talk about like the story is a fascinating one mm-hmm. in the I, I I don't know how you can so misjudge a friend or that Harry just maybe became like 
totally evil since he last saw Holly. But I guess what the, 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 what this film grapples with is like if you found out your best friend was a really bad person, number one, mm-hmm. would you turn the person into the cops? And number two, would you take care of that person? Right? Yeah. I mean, John, I, I would never shoot you if you started selling midgets to I don't know, people who exploit midgets. I probably would never kill you for that. See, you, you wouldn't. But here's why you would. I think, I mean, the whole reason Holly, I mean, it's bad mm-hmm. timing for, it's bad timing for Harry Lime because Holly um, came to Vienna, you know, to, to get his the job or whatever. And yeah. if Harry, if Holly, <laughs> dang it, if Holly found out that Orson Welles was a bad guy and he was still in America or something, he probably wouldn't come all the way to Vienna to, like, confront him. But the fact that things didn't add up, he's like, oh, my friend is missing. My friend was murdered. All this stuff doesn't add up, and so he's on the case, right? And so it's, yeah. it, I think it's, like, his his truthful curiosity. It's like, something's not right here. And the fact that uh, his friend turns up alive, but he's still investigate he's still like no this is wrong uh i think that's why that's the whole reason he not the whole reason i guess but that's that contributes to him taking down his friend ironically because you know he started the whole investigation to justify like to to seek justice for his friend but it turns out his friend is the one who uh well justice requires justice yeah justicing yeah yeah yeah, so this film is also kind of famous because it's just it's just kind of beautifully shot. And there's some things that maybe are a little cliche today, but like like the giant shadows uh, moving down the street, yeah. right? That you're following after. Yeah. But I but like uh, Harry Lime in in his like hat and his coat, it's just I don't know. He just has a beautiful silhouette, and then all the stuff in the sewers. So this movie is just really beautiful. And I and I kind of I put this in my comments on the old Facebook, but this movie would be half as good in color i can't imagine this film in color it's just so perfect for a black and white film how, how did i say it? we were we were kind of talking about this it's um i think it would be great in color but mm. it's better this way that's yeah. just how it is yeah so i do have a question mm-hmm. the score for this film feels so incongruent with the movie i believe the score won an oscar it's like a ukulele except i guess it's a zither but it sounds like we're just having a good time in the tropics while it sounds like eastern european circus music like okay the monkeys are out right now okay yeah that's what it sounds like to me i don't know uh did you collect any of the music audio uh no i thought about it i'm like you guys need to hear this but i don't know maybe you don't it's just it does seem kind of weird i i i don't like it personally yeah (laughs) i I think a lot of people do though i think it's one of the things i think it's one of the many things about the movie that that uh is considered good uh i just uh won't be joining others in that sort of adoration (laughs) hey uh that's what i have for the thin man several questions sure and i think i missed something really big i don't quite because they were like the cops were like okay we need your help go ahead and meet Harry Lime, and then we're going to move in on him. And Harry Lime shows up. Yeah. I, I'm not sure at this point in the movie, with all the stuff that's going down, and the speech that Harry Lime gave to Holly, and Holly is kind of, I don't think Holly really accepted that whole I will kill Dot speech. 
<laughs> I'm, I don't know why Harry Lyme is just kind of just showing up after he's dead. It seems, it seems like maybe he would show up to kill Holly, but because he doesn't trust him anymore. Because he's smart, he should be smart enough not to trust Holly anymore. Um, and so maybe that's a good reason to show up. But also, the reason he would kill him is because Holly obviously brings the cops. So I don't know why he yes. needed to see him again. I don't know. Maybe it was a chance to see his girl. I, I don't know. Because that's and, and, what and, he was... I think... Okay, it's implied. I don't know if it's true. But it's implied that the whole reason Holly sees him the first time is because Orson Welles was coming back to see his girl. But he just yeah, happened to be there. And he saw him yeah. on the ground at that time. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So one of the final shots in this film is Orson Welles' fingers sticking through the grates. Yeah. That's a great shot. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to add an award. I keep thinking maybe we should because I keep the shot, to bring the shot up. award. The shot. Yeah, you just bring the it up every award. single time. Yeah, for for each movie too. So we should have three more awards. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Right. Um, third band. I had another question. Oh, okay. No, no, no. You said it. I didn't want to interrupt too much, but the rhino porn. Actually, I don't recall the rhino porn at all. Why don't you elaborate on that? Is he <laughs> he's looking at pictures of rhinos? I don't remember this. No, I don't. I, it's it's not porn. But so there there's like a shot. It's not a shot. Okay, so they're going to show a bunch of evidence to our our friend uh, Holly through like the use of a slideshow. But it's one of those like projector wheel things, right? right with the carousel with the slides in it. Yeah, yeah, the carousel. And so Sergeant Payne turns it on, and the first slide that comes up is this weird shot of a rhino, and he's just like, oops, oh, whoops, sorry, don't look at that. <laughs> I, I forgot about that part. Okay, that's pretty good. It's like he's embarrassed that he has a picture of a rhino in there. Yeah, I guess. So I don't know why he's ashamed of the rhino. I think Sergeant Payne, he's, he's, he's a man of many colors, I, I would say. You know? yeah. He likes a lot of, uh, of, of Holly Martin's books. So yeah, yeah, he does. That's true. No, no, no. It's it's going back to the evidence montage. I didn't want to interrupt sure. you, but but the the evidence montage. And you you mentioned this, and so I don't think you have an answer for me. But as part of the evidence montage, it looked it appeared to me like there were many equations written on a piece of paper, <laughs> and and the equations were written like one is written like kind of sideways, and one is written like as as if like three people went up to the paper and wrote equations down and so their perspective is like three different ways you know so there are equations facing different directions and as part of the evidence they take a mirror and put it down next to one equation and then they put the same mirror next to another equation (laughs) and i don't know so this was science this is what (laughs) this is how we developed the a-bomb in mid-century like i what is that like does that does this equation make sense to any of you guys? Well, try holding a mirror up to <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> they could also be testing to see if any of those equations are vampires. So maybe I, I mean know. maybe they were testing handwriting. Like okay, did he try to write a signature with his left hand? Oh well, I know how to figure this out. Let's hold up a mirror. Then it's right-handed signature. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was great, though. I don't know what they were testing with the vials. There was so much, like, science kit work going on. Yeah. It was great. Okay, well, this didn't make my favorite scene, but it should have now that I think about it. So I'll mention it here. There's... At one point, Holly is in a hurry. He's like, okay, I'm I'm on the case. I gotta make a phone call. I gotta call... I gotta call Anna. I gotta call Harry. I gotta call the, the police chief something. And so... 
he he says to the hotel like okay i need someone find me a car and the hotel guy there's a car waiting for you right there and 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 the chauffeur has just this determined look on his face like this evil look the chauffeur gets in his car and and holly's like okay take me to and the chauffeur just peels out doesn't say a word just drives 90 miles an hour down vienna and drops him off at his speaking engagement because he was so intently (laughs) waiting for him to get back so he could get to his speaking engagement on on time and he doesn't even discuss it with him yeah he was violently kidnapped to his (laughs) to his speaking engagement it was really weird right you think he's like he's being taken by the police again or the russians or i don't know the third man (laughs) no it's it's just the driver that's supposed to take him to the lecture yeah yeah that was great i it was pretty fun that was pretty fun so okay did you how much did you remember about this uh, bits. It had been a long you time. You remember who directed it? <laughs> oh, apparently, yeah. Yeah. yeah so no. Uh, I mean, I'm. Uh, I, I remembered that Orson Welles was the third man. It didn't take me very long into the film to remember because mm-hmm. at first I was like, okay, the guy who plays Holly doesn't look like Orson Welles, mm-hmm. but maybe he just looked a little different when he was younger. But then, after, you know, it didn't. Anyway, I remembered that that the third man was the guy was the dead person. I remembered that pretty quick. Okay. Uh, aside from that, not much. I didn't remember much. I probably had to watch this in film class too. I don't, or this possibly could have been, you know, when we had Netflix and they'd send you three discs at a time. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had like randomized a bunch of movies I wanted to see, and this may be one that I got in the mail. Well, th- was this part of your I'm going to watch every AFI top 100 movie project? No, because I didn't start that project until like a year or two ago. This I saw this movie. Uh, I've, it's been a, a while since I've seen this film. Okay. I, really? Is it that early you're doing the AFI thing? Okay. Yeah, maybe like a year or so ago. It, uh, it's probably been two Halloweens worth since I've been trying to do that. You know how that list came to be? Because I wanted to watch every horror film on Rotten Tomatoes 200 Greatest Horror Films of All Time. But, and then I'm like, but then they did well, what about good. other good movies? <laughs> or, so. oh, really? So, so you have been appreciating the top 200 horror movies. Yeah, I'm most of the way through it. There's a few that are really hard to find. Like, there's a movie called Martin that I can't find for the life of me. Um, I because all I get when I search for it is Martin Lawrence movies. Is that the um, one with Sam Neill? I don't know. Mm. And there's a handful of movies, uh, horror movies that I'm probably just never going to watch because of like pervasive adult content. But yeah. What can um, I oh, I remember something about Third Man that I have to correct you on. Sure. Just so we stop getting just all that terrible viewer mail that we keep getting with corrections okay but uh you did make a mistake you you kept saying there were the two guys um the baron kurtz and dr Uh vinkel are the two guys but dr vinkel wasn't one of the two guys it was baron kurtz Uh and popescu popesco that's right popescu yeah and which is confusing because you know there's this cadre like conspiracy and it is three people but the yeah. doctor wasn't the third man. He wasn't at the scene. And so it's like, yeah. it's confusing because it's like there are four bad guys, but only three of them were moving the body of the other guy, the fifth bad guy. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we can't move on. Oh, okay. Well, we have taglines, right? You're supposed to prompt me. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. St. John, oh, what's your tagline for the third man? Okay, see if you remember this one. It's quite possible that I'm your third man, but it's a fact <laughs> that I'm the seventh son. 
Ah, uh, very good. Yeah. Uh, white stripes, yeah. Which I yeah. don't know what that lyric means, but I've heard people appreciate it. Okay. And uh, his recording company is Third Man Records. Third Man Records, yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. So mine for the third man is We're Just Wild About Harry, Lime. <laughs> which is also a song, right? We're Just Wild About Harry. Just wild. Anyway. I want to say that's in Citizen Kane or something. Which... I'm Just Wild About Harry. Uh, it's the Warner Brothers frog that only dances when no one's looking except for that one guy. You remember that yeah, Looney Tunes that, commercial? That, does he sing a bunch of songs? Because he usually does, hello, my darling, hello, my... Yeah. Yeah. Hello, my ragtime gal. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's that okay. one, yeah. All right. Uh, the Stalker, John. Stalker. Uh, why don't you start us on the Stalker, and I'll finish us. Okay. I... I, I should I reveal what we discussed about how to sum these up? You said, hey, John, who's summing up what? Sure. And I said, okay, why don't you do the third man? And I haven't finished Stalker yet, but so far <laughs> nothing has happened. I have 15 minutes left, so I'll, I'll summarize maybe the first two hours, two and a half hours of Stalker, and then you get the last 15 minutes, because I'm sure, I'm Something sure... Something will happen? I bet that's when they go in the room, right? <laughs> I bet that's what happens in the last 15 minutes Uh-oh. of Stalker. But, and I watched Stalker in the worst possible way. I just have to say this. I watched it, I started watching it a week ago Wednesday, and I mm. watched like an hour of it, and then the next night I watched an hour, and then a full week later I watched the end. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, don't watch you Stalker would. that way. You had to know in the back of your mind that we were never going to get the payoff because because it's a Russian film. Right? I think it was in the back of my mind. I thought, no, that it's such a long movie. It's such a long movie. <laughs> but but and also okay because it's there's about twenty minutes worth of material in this film. <laughs> the, there totally is. It's it's this is the definition of you know an Oscar award winning short film like it gets yeah. the the short film award because you know that's it feels like that there's something about a short film that actually seems really long to me like <laughs> they're really like drawing out this like eight minutes <laughs> we could probably cut like four of these minutes out um but okay the thing is okay in stalker so it's definitely in Russia. It is feeling very Soviet, kind of like that IT crowd episode where she, <laughs> the, smoking. the smoking episode was like the smoking area just feels so Soviet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, there's this guy and he's a stalker and he lives with his wife and his kid on a big giant bed. He has a mission. He has a plan. He is a stalker. They call him the stalker. And what a stalker is is the person who can go to the zone and then do you want to know what the zone is the zone is a um a meteor hit the earth in the zone like 10 years earlier or something and the military went in there and cordoned it off it's illegal to go to the zone but the rumors are from what i understand the rumors are and i guess stalkers know this because they've been there is that in the middle of the zone there is a room where your wildest wishes and fantasies and uh, desires come true it's a wish-making room in the yeah. middle of all this. Uh, and he knows the way, and he's very miserable, but he kind of takes pride in the fact that he doesn't participate in the room himself. He just enjoys other people being happy in the room. Uh, the thing is, 
there I don't think anyone smiles in this movie. Well, you can't make it to the room unless you're miserable. Yeah, the room that's won't one let of the anyone things who's they happy say. get to the room. Yeah, you have to be miserable to get to the room is is a kind of thing they say and I don't know, I'm not yeah. totally Which, sure what that means. So I think if he ever availed himself of the room and it made him happy, he would have to stop being a stalker. And so right. maybe like his burden is he can never use the room because he has to be the person right. that brings he, others he has to, to he's kind of like this uh, bodhivastra you know to do the buddhist term where it's like sure. someone who does not enter nirvana but stands at the gate ushering people mm. in um and okay but there's there's also something that was said at the very beginning of the movie but the um the wikipedia article doesn't mention this so i just want to make sure i heard this right when when the zone happened I think someone, like, it says in the opening crawl or something that everyone who goes into the room doesn't return. I, I want to say that's something that was said. Does that sound familiar? Maybe. You watched it so long ago. Who's to say? Who's to they say? did say that initially the army went in and the army didn't come back out. So, like, the Russian military went into the zone to investigate and yeah. they just all got killed. And, and they're they're all gone. I mean... It, and now, may, now maybe each one of them like went into the room. It's like, hey, this is where you know this is like the nexus from Star Trek or something. Uh, you know, yeah. He does freak out when the, he notices the. Okay, so we with he's taking a writer and a professor. He's taking a writer and, and a professor. Yeah, and the writer has a gun and he totally freaks out because he's like, didn't you see what happened to all the soldiers? But the room didn't seem to know what the professor was bringing. Right. Didn't stop the professor from getting there. But anyway, uh, John. Um, take us through all the hot action. Well, okay, yeah. Here's to- here's the hot action. Here's my favorite yeah. thing about this movie. It's really funny because he's leading these two people around. Um, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. Russian Woody Harrelson is leading these two people around, and one is a writer and one is a professor, and they look exactly the same, and I can't <laughs> remember which one's the writer and which one's the professor the whole time. It's like, okay, those guys look really Russian, I guess. Uh, and so um, he does this thing where he has this handkerchief, and he says, uh, okay, the room is right over there. We can see it, but don't walk over there because there are traps that will alter reality. It will make us start over. It's pretty much like some, like the hands in Legend of Zelda that grab Link yeah. and pull him back to the beginning of the level. It's like the, those awesome. are all over the place. There's weird stuff. I promise you there's weird stuff everywhere. So he has this little hanky, and he throws the hanky. And everywhere he throws the hanky, seem, everything seems to be okay. So, so let me ask. Yeah. Does the hanky cleanse the path, or if it if the hanky was thrown in the wrong spot, would there be some indication? It seems like he always there was never a time where he didn't follow where he threw the hanky. Was he just one hundred percent on his guesses? I I kind of think uh, everything he said didn't matter because <laughs> uh, yeah, either either that I I kind of think that. But here's here's the great thing. Um, it's great how much the professor and the writer, they say, oh, weird stuff happens? Okay, well, then we'll definitely do what the hanky says. And they don't... <laughs> it, it's pretty much... Do you have any idea, Roy, how much FX money was saved on this movie because of the character's strict, stringent belief in the premise of the movie? Yeah, I guess. So, the, the actually, the only supernaturalish thing that happens throughout the entire film is our writer at one point says, screw this, I'm going straight ahead. And he gets, like, halfway to the room, and he hears a voice, and he thinks it's the stalker saying, come back. And we don't... And he gets back to them, and they're like, no one said anything. He, yeah, he just... 
stops, and we don't hear the voice as an audience even. They don't even have the special effects budget for that. They can't do a VO (laughs) of the voice or anything. Yeah. It should also be mentioned that the stalker insists on taking at least four long naps (laughs) because it's not time to move forward. He has to rejuvenate and and move forward. Okay. He has to take swamp naps. Yeah. Filth naps, yeah. yeah. So anyway, they they that's why this movie takes so long. Uh, they go to the place, and I didn't mention they also have to get into the zone by um, like one of those old timey Acme rail cars. Yeah. Uh, so they have to. <laughs> you have to take the railroad in. You can't just walk in. And I don't know. Maybe it's fifty miles. So maybe it's this huge amount of time. But the military is shooting at them and everything. But they, yeah. For some reason, the railroad, the open air rail car. Like it's twenty safe. miles an hour rail car that they're safe from all bullets on that thing. Did you see the rail car that was transporting what looked like Frankenstein's laboratory, like all these giant electrodes and stuff? Or um, did I just imagine that? Uh, no, I think that sounds familiar. But then we never see it again because no one ever comes back. It's almost like the room is yeah. sucking up. It's like those big massive electrodes. They have wishes and desires too, and they disappear into oh. those. That's true, because we find out that lasers are dying to get into the room. Yes, yes. It, it's, That's what the professor tells us. <laughs> there's some real weird, like... I mean, in, in our modern day, we're, we're told that there, there are lasers from... What is the thing that people say? That Jews control oh, the lasers? the Jewish space lasers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, that must be what they're talking about in this room. It's what so, they're talking about. I don't know, this movie's way ahead of its time. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and so they finally get to the room and they're at the precipice. They have this big argument. Oh, we we got to talk about the meat grinder. There's a tunnel yes. to the room. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They send the rider ahead because from what I understood, the room requires someone to die before allowing the rest of the party through. But the rider made it through just fine. But what they reference is there was a previous stalker called Porcupine yes, who yes. taught our stalker everything, right? Mm-hmm. And Porcupine sent his brother through, and his brother died, and that allowed the Porcupine to go through. Mm-hmm. But so how come no one died this time? It, it doesn't make any sense. It, it sounds like that was just Porcupine's trial, I guess. I, yeah. But All right, so the, the, the point you- is, Porcupine, he kind of went crazy, because once he got, he's like, okay, I'll bring my brother back. But when I get to the room, because that's my greatest desire. But once he got there, he immediately wished for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man instead. Well, so here's my understanding. Yeah. Okay, the room gives you what your heart really desires, mm-hmm. not what you think you want to wish for, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the room because he wants wealth, but his brother dies in the process of getting to the room. His brother dies so that he can go to the room. Yeah. And so he says, I'm going to wish for my brother's life back. But the room knows what he really wants. Yeah. And deep down in his heart, more than having his brother back, he really just wants wealth. And the fact that he has to live with that knowledge is too much, and he commits suicide. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yes, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Acor- <laughs> according to according to the summaries I'm I'm looking at right now, you kind of said it. You kind of said okay. it. So, okay. Uh, why don't you take over? You can talk about the bomb. There's a Am bomb. I taking over? Okay. There's a fireworks well, factory that does not explode. <laughs> okay. So they anyway, they get to what I think is the room, but it's not. But it's like it looks like a brain, but it's like all these it's like moguls. It's like ski like ski hill moguls, but they're made out of right, dust. Right, right. It's like there's yeah. piles of dust in a in a room, not the room. 
Yeah, in, in so this is another room, and but also there's another small room that's got a phone, and the professor is able to call his work and say, "Hey, I know you're going to fire me, but guess what? That thing you hid in that room, well, I've got it, mm-hmm. and uh, so screw you guys." And it turns out that the thing he's got is he has a 20 megaton bomb, which fits roughly in the size of a thermos. Yeah. And he is going to blow up that room. And so there's a couple reasons. One is he doesn't want the lasers getting in the room. But the idea is that, like, military powers can get into the room and basically Thanos their enemies, right? Yeah. Yeah, So that's his fear. And he wants to destroy the room so no one can do that. But then they have this philosophical argument about how everyone who goes in the room and has their wishes fulfilled negatively affects the rest of the world. Like, there's a balance, I guess. Of happiness and unhappiness, right. which uh, the stalker's wife talks about later as she discusses uh, Second Nephi with us. <laughs> yes, and um, but so he, they, the room is no good. They don't want anyone going to the room because you think you're going in there to have your wishes fulfilled, but nothing good can come from that. And it's kind of a karma thing. Everyone else pays for it, right? Mm-hmm. So after a lot of slapping each other and a little bit of wrestling, eventually they get too tired to fight anymore. And also the professor takes apart the nuclear weapon and just tosses the pieces into the filthy water soaked floor. And, uh, John, no one goes in the room. No one. Yeah. They make it back to the bar. It's exactly uh, like that itchy and scratchy cartoon where Poochie goes back to space and Milhouse goes, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? (laughs) And yeah. And that never happens. But I I was expecting something, but again, no FX budget. It's, they don't even show the room. All the yeah, camera has to do is like pan over just a little bit. At one point, the rider almost accidentally falls into the room. And boy, thank heavens they grab him by the coat and save him so he doesn't accidentally get his wishes fulfilled. Right, he doesn't... Yeah, it's because that's the worst thing that can... I mean, I can tell you something. We watched Solaris. Um, yeah. I'll quickly say I I think I definitely prefer Solaris because they go in the room. They go in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's this movie seems to be saying the same thing. And I don't know we need to I would love to look into this guy. Um oh gosh, I forgot his name already. Tarkovsky. I, I would love to have a conversation with Tarkovsky. I don't know if you read about this. Unfortunately, I can't because he died shortly after this movie. They think mm. because of the water mm. in some no. of the scenes, like was really, really contaminated. Yeah, because it was like downstream was- to like from some factory or something <laughs> from the Chernobyl factory. Or yeah, something. yeah. Which is funny. This is like before Chernobyl. This is like way mm. Chernobyl vibes. You know. Yeah. The thing I was going to say is like Solaris. I find it very interesting that this guy, that is this fantabulous premise. In Solaris, it's like you can bring anyone back, your loved ones back, is the point of Solaris. And in this one, it's like it's even further. It's your greatest wish, your greatest desire. What is that? And just Tarkovsky's, I guess, immediate assumption, and I guess the writers too. I don't know. I don't want to place all the blame on him. Is this is not a joyous thing? This is bleak right from the get go. It is. Yeah. the most unfortunate thing that to happen and nothing good can come of this and a, a disruption of of what already exists is is going to just murder us all and we should not think positively about this crime of nature is what the movie's about and he's the only one who would immediately think of that it's kind of a mr burns kind of thing like where mr burns says since the dawn of time mankind has yearned to destroy the sun it's kind of that yeah. <laughs> kind of weird soviet bleakness i guess okay so I, sh- I should wrap this up. He goes back home and his wife tucks him into bed mm. and he's really upset. 
because uh, his haircut, for one, but then also mm. because he's kind of lost faith in humanity. And like, what's his purpose anymore? If it's if it doesn't make sense to go into the room, and if no one has enough faith to go into the room, then why even carry on? So his wife puts him to bed, and then she sits down and she looks right at the freaking camera, mm-hmm. and she gives us a speech about how you know you have to understand sorrow to know happiness, and you have to like. It, it's it's that kind of vibe, right? You gotta know the bitter to know the sweet. Yes, yes. And uh, while she's speaking at the end of her t- telling the story, it's a rousing speech, punctuated by "Ode to Joy" mm-hmm. from uh, Beethoven. Wagner. Oh no, and no, no! It is. Is it "Ode to it Joy"? It is definitely it's, Beethoven. It's yeah, that was, that Sorry, was I thought it was yeah. "March the Valkyries." Is what I wrote down, mm-hmm. but I was wrong. Okay, you're right. And then, just for fun. The last thing we see in this film mm-hmm. is his daughter is telekinetic. Yeah. Yeah. They move jars across the table. Yeah. So, I mean, why not? <laughs> they it, they mentioned something about, like, his... She's a zone mutant. His, yeah, she is a zone mutant. Because he says something in the middle of the movie about, like, how much of a sacrifice it is for him to be a stalker. And he talks with his wife about, like, you know what happens to children of stalkers. Um, and so there, I assumed at the time when he said that it was because it's the children of stalkers get made fun of at school is what I assumed. (laughs) Um, but it is, it is kind of, okay. That's the second miraculous, weird, special thing that happens in the movies. First of all, it's the writer doesn't go in the room because he thinks he hears a voice. And then the second one is the stalker's child can move things with her mind or his so was yeah. she born in the zone did he find her in the zone or is she just affected by him going in and out of the zone all the time See, it, she might be born because they also do another thing when they get to the zone they say something like ah home again or we're finally home and i don't know if they yeah. meant the zone was where they all used to live before the event happened uh. or if they were like this is where we were always meant to be, and that's what they mean by home. I don't know what they mean by that, but I think it's meant to be ambiguous. Okay, let me... Tell me if you notice this. Okay. So there's a part in the film where we get a title card that says, Part 2. Yeah. yeah. Was there a Part 1? I'm fairly certain there was never a Part 1. <laughs> I I didn't write it down as Part 1. Yeah. I almost always make note of that, because I, I, I kind of like it when films like... <laughs> Have these demarcations, but when part two came up, I was like, "Hold on!" I yeah, I didn't write it down. I I was surprised. I was actually more surprised that there wasn't a part three. Yeah, because <laughs> part two seemed to kind of be sort of like a third of the way through. Yeah, and so it was just this really awkward. And you know, they come back from the zone and everything. That should have been part three. That should have been really obvious. Maybe they ran out of film stock, like yeah. in the country. Can- <laughs> Can you imagine if you're watching The Shining and like a third of the way through the film, it just says like Friday and then it never comes up again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, wow, The Stalker, man. So why did we watch The Stalker, John? I've heard it's really mesmerizing and it wasn't well received at first. and I can see why. But then it's well received in hindsight. And I uh. really like Solaris, even though... If you recall, we talked about Solaris on this very podcast. Yes, we did. I said it was my favorite movie of the ones we watched, even though it was intensely boring. That's what I said. <laughs> but okay. So, that's why we watched Stalker. Yeah. We've joked about like the long shots 
Yeah. Okay, um, and this is this but, is interesting because I don't know if you read this. I think the original cut of this movie is 166 minutes, is what I read, and mm-hmm. there I think are 144 shots in the movie. So there are more minutes in the movie than there are shots. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, and I mean, you you start out with kind of a hint of it because like the first shot is getting into their bedroom, and I swear it takes at least three minutes for the camera to get into their bedroom. There's uh, I you know what the uh, that ability to push and pull the camera, whoever they have like on the dolly working the dolly is quite an artist to be able to move the camera that purposely and intently without with just no hints of jerks or anything um and that slowly it's pretty good okay so several of the scenes are uh, several of the shots are four minutes or longer the longest shot is nearly seven minutes the television room scene is seven full minutes but but so like Mm -hmm. four minutes doesn't sound like a long shot but that just means that you're not paying it's not that you're not paying attention during films it's that you don't notice it because it feels natural for editing to happen right 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 but a four-minute shot is an eternity. Yeah, yeah. And so, and anyway, yeah, this movie, man. There you go. Okay. Okay. So let mm-hmm. me just let me just ask. I've been thinking about this movie a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna provide an explanation, like a meaning explanation, in I think the most surface level possible, because I think it does go beyond this. Okay. Writer, professor, stalker. Um, I think. What does stalker mean? Why is he called a stalker? It, I read that. Um, does it rhyme with something? It it, it oh uh, you know what I have it right here. Stalker was a common nickname in the novel. In the novel, roadside picnic. The stalker is based on a Russian novel that they said, according to Wikipedia, is like loosely based on it. Um, is a common nickname for men engaged in the illegal enterprise of prospecting for and smuggling alien artifacts out of the zone. So. Yeah. It, it was just it had a little bit of a different meaning originally. It's like they're kind of more criminals instead of like zealots or whatever they are in this yeah. movie. Um, according to author Boris Strugatsky, prospectors and trappers were potential word choices before stalker was decided on, which is at least primarily inspired by Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling's character Stalky in his Stalky and Company stories, of which both authors were fans. These Russian fans these Russian authors were fans of Rudyard Kipling. Their adaptation of the English word into Russian is pronounced slightly differently as stalker, and it came into common usage after being coined by the authors. So they brought this English word into into Russia. Like, Russians use this word now because of the uh, book that this movie was based on. It wasn't oh. really a word before. Yeah. Um, Tarkovsky also wrote stalker is from the word to stalk to creep in a 1976 diary entry which is you know it's just like okay yeah someone who walks around could be considered a stalker that's all he's saying there right but okay um, so anyway that's that's the story there okay but no here's the the general vibe of it it's like okay stalker writer professor I'm gonna say priest or prophet um, artist scientist just in general it's like these are the three characters that might have an interest in some kind of spiritual element be it heaven or afterlife or something spiritual beyond earth's understanding and of course the stalker or the religious figure it's his job his duty his compulsion his passion uh despite not having any joy in it to provide 
this spiritual realm to people who might not believe. Scientists don't believe because, you know, they uh, they need more proof. It doesn't make any sense. And, and writers don't believe because they they can never receive that because it's like, because it's not having their desires met that enabled them to provide literature and art and everything because they they have to be the ones to provide that and so the stalker is so annoyed at the end that it's like people are losing their faith because the groups of people in the world they don't have a need for this but then at the same time they have a point the reason the professor wants to blow the place up is because um, as we all know every single war and argument in the history of the world is caused by religion. We all know that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, that was his motivation for blowing the place up. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I guess they got tired and didn't bother to blow it up. So like at the end of the movie, like we're still kind of in this stalemate between these three things and how we interpret like the importance of a spiritual realm. And because the other two people is like, even though they kind of acknowledge that it probably does exist, it doesn't fit it doesn't fit their needs and also it asks the question like okay if there is somewhere where you get your wishes fulfilled is that a completion of your character or is it a deletion of your character yeah that's my question i guess but i don't know i i was kind of thinking that that's generally what the movie was about just kind of this uh. idea of religion or a spiritual realm outside of what people know okay so you're saying like in a video game where you play the cheat code and give yourself all the money you could ever hope for right and then all of a sudden you're it's just no longer fulfilling right 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 i mean i guess i'm i mean i don't know that's exactly what you're saying uh, yeah that's exactly what i'm saying i guess tarkovsky is saying heaven is not fulfilling heaven's not fulfilling and actually if you ever watch the good place like one of the final episodes when they finally Mm -hmm. get to heaven and everyone's like this place is the worst (laughs) yeah it's just so boring right yeah 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 but yeah totally that but i'm kind of wondering because i'm wondering that's if that's why no one comes back from the room because ultimately the room is carrying over to this other place which is just death anyway fascinating well done, John. Those are some good movies. Yes. Do you want to hear a, 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 a tagline thing? Uh, we could do a tagline. Um, you don't have any questions about Stalker? Um, I think I asked them all. The part two, what the nuts were doing, why is he called a stalker? I'm not sure what um, happens in the mound room. I wrote that down just like you did, I think. <laughs> I did write down, why can't they just walk into the zone? Yeah, okay, there, there's also a moment where... Uh, the, he tells the writer, you're going to live to be 100 years old. That's when they're in the mound room. I'm like, okay, so this is the room, and his wish is for, like, to live 20 years longer than the average human? Yeah. So that's a crappy wish, but it sounded like he had gotten his wish, and, and that's why I thought, okay, we're in the room. And then they don't really address that again. Was he just kind of psyching him up? Like, as soon as you go in the room, think about it. You'll be, a hundred. you know, you'll get to be 100. Isn't that great? I, I guess I'm wondering yeah. if it just has to do it's like okay this is I guess it's showing Stalker's divine powers like he has mm. some kind of knowledge you know he's not very happy he makes not that very, very clear he's got but, a bad haircut yeah yeah and what's with the Stalker's like he has like this this white spot on its head 
he's like patchy. His, yeah. his hair is like really blonde in one area. Or is that his scalp being really white? It's or? not great. We also probably should mention that this film constantly goes in and out of sepia. Yeah. And it's not clear why. Sometimes when he's dreaming or or taking a nap, that's when it goes into sepia. But also, mm-hmm. definitely, there's times when it goes sepia when it's in the real world. It seems like the crummy bar is always sepia. And so I don't know when sepia, what's the significance? I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was wondering that. It's just like, it, it seems like it's a Frankenstein movie a little. I, I, I kind of thought, because you wrote in your notes, oh, I didn't realize this suddenly went to color. I remember when it went to color. And that's when they got on just the outskirts of the zone. I kind of thought the sepia tone was just Soviet lifestyle just soviet life pretty much the smoking section in it crowd is like okay this is (laughs) the burden of just soviet society but then they go to the zone and it's like outside of that and that's when it went color but then it randomly went sepia in other places yeah so So, who knew we could have done this for we have a category about movies that switch between black and white and color this would have been this would have counted sure this would have counted yeah 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 yeah. all right well uh what's your tagline okay my tagline a priest, a scientist, and an artist walk into a bar. The priest says, what's your greatest desire? The scientist says, to blow up all other desires. The writer says, to extrude all my hemorrhoids. <laughs> uh, that's a good tagline. Thank okay. You. Mine's is stupider. <laughs> Mine is, <laughs> stalker, you will thrill at all five shots. <laughs> okay. Anyway. That's great. Yep. Hey, uh, it's a Woody Allen film, and uh, it's all you. It's time for Woody Allen. Okay, let's see if we can do this. This is uh, this might be a little bit tricky because... Okay, this is a very convoluted, and there's a lot of stuff I'll miss. Um, uh, it, it's kind of the opposite of Stalker in that lots of stuff happens, but most of the stuff is just in... It, it's just a, a recreation or... You know, uh, so, a writing of it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes this movie's linear, and sometimes it's like, okay, this is a story, and now in the story they're talking about another story, and in that story they're talking about another story, and in that story they're talking about another story. Yeah. Also, it's it's possible there's too many edits in this film. There's a lot of those like weird cuts that don't add to anything. That I, was something I've never seen that in a Woody Allen movie before. Like we the, saw it in that French film, the Zoe made us watch. Yes, yes. It, it's it's. That's a good point. It's um, and it's kind of popular now, like to have the jump cuts like that. But usually, when people use jump cuts, they are they're they're not this disjointed. There's something about the movie Breathless, which is the French movie, and this movie, where it just seems like it's a mistake. Like the first one you see, it's like, oh, that was a mistake. That was something I thought it was like you know when they transferred it when the I'm I I'm guessing you watched this on Peacock or whatever on the streaming service. No. Oh, did not you rent Peacock. it? I don't remember renting it, um, but I, it wasn't on Peacock. I but it was a streaming it. service you watched, I think. Yes, stream streaming service. Yeah. When when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, this movie was made in the middle of DVD technology, and in order to get <laughs> it onto a streaming service, they used a scratch DVD. Because it looked just like a jump in a scratch DVD. Uh, um, but that's not the case. There's a lot of just random jump cuts, which it it's almost, I guess it sort of makes sense in a way. It, it's really off-putting, but it's, I guess, the scattered mind of Harry. 
sure. he would think that way. So I guess, I guess it totally makes sense. So the thing is, Woody Allen, he's a guy named Harry, and he's a writer. And he's also the worst person in the world. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty much, I guess, at this point in his life, maybe, this is 1997, Woody Allen's like, well, everybody hates me. I'm going to really lean into this. <laughs> uh and uh you know who can complain about that well it turns out you yeah we can we can complain um <laughs> so, someone's coming over who's complaining to him who uh is like you wrote a book and it was about me and it was about my sister your ex-wife and how we had an affair and how much of a moron are you you just revealed all the secrets that are going to hurt all these people you know what's wrong with you and uh she pulls out a gun she's going to kill herself and he's like very calm about it but then when she turns the gun on him he turns into like the ultimate woody allen like uh, yeah. panicky little little twerpy dude right um and this sets off a series of stories within stories because he is a writer and he tells her the story of what's his name spider-man Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who is visited by death because he's using his friend's bachelor pad uh, to have affairs with, and death collects him instead of his friends. Stuff like that. Lots yeah. of stuff happens um, and things like that. He tells another story much later. I'll just get this out of the way. Um, where this woman is concerned that her husband had a secret family that he ate one day. Yeah. Uh, to uh, get rid of the evidence. Um, and I don't think... I think both of those are kind of like Woody Allen. Like, some of these, like, spread out to, like, from his real life into sort of fictional territory. But most of the stories are him just relating terrible events of his life, mostly affairs, and how he's been yeah. married three times. Uh, I believe his first wife... He was having an affair with the wife's sister, who was the person who uh -huh. came over that one time. His second wife is someone, is a therapist that, um, and he may have met her as a therapist, maybe not, but he definitely wrote about this therapist picking up on patients, you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that is, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's Kirstie Alley, and he has an affair with one of her. Patience. Patience, yes. And then, oh gosh, and I lost it. Um, and then he also has uh, his third wife, who isn't Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue is someone... I got the first and second so wife. So he met Elizabeth Shue in the elevator as he was on his way, on to, his way go to have an affair, an affair yeah. with his wife's patient. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's on his way to have an affair with someone else, and then he's having an affair on the affair, which is yeah. second-level which is next level. It's next level yeah. of fairing. Yeah. Like once you can do that, it's like almost like a superhero of affairs yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. But uh, story-wise, this is all couched in everybody hates this guy because he's the worst and he's being honored by his alma mater yeah. uh, because, you know, they want to honor his writing. And so he, he just wants some, like a plus one or a plus three. I guess they'll let, they'll allow that to happen. <laughs> Uh, he wants someone to be with him to share in the honor because this school kicked him out and he's, you know, it's kind of the one good thing. I don't want to say it's the one good thing that's happened to him because lots of 
good things happen to him because he's a skis and he's selfish and he gets all this yeah, stuff. I would say lots of good things have happened to him. Yeah, it, but it's the one thing, I guess it's the one thing he's proud of in his life yeah. that he can like he, say to everybody, I'm proud of this, yeah. He's doing just fine. It's everyone else around him he's, that yeah. suffers, right? Yeah, everyone is suffering. So he talks, he talks prostitute. the prostitute of the day. Cookie. into Yeah, Cookie. Uh, and she's nice, by the way. Um, he's like, okay, you know what? I'll pay you for tomorrow why don't you just stay here and i'll pay you for the whole day all you have to do is come to this um you know event with me you know where i'm being honored she's like oh okay well you know that's that sounds fine and uh then uh the person who was going to go with him but their lines got crossed it's uh russell dalripple from the seinfeld episodes where it's the head yeah. of nbc um he says, oh, no, I'm, I'm coming. I, I'd like to come. He's like, oh, I thought you were going to have a heart attack. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm fine. Um, <laughs> and so he comes along, and you know they're talking. He's like, I really wish my son could be here, but I don't have custody of my son. It's like, well, we could kidnap him. As a joke, they say that. But then <laughs> he kidnaps his son from school. Yep. And road trip. so they have a road trip. So this movie would have been a, a road trip movie, um, yeah. which uh, is probably something we're going to we're going to be watching later with Katie. Mm. When he, they drive along and the guy who almost had a heart attack, who got the bill of health from a villainous doctor, uh, <laughs> he actually does die. They show up and also his ex-wife, Kirstie Alley shows up, um, brings the police. And so Woody Allen shows up to receive this honor with a prostitute holding drugs and <laughs> his kidnapped son and also a dead body in the car. Um, Sorry, in the, the cops arrest him right as he gets to the university because yeah. uh, his wife has caught up to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, ultimately, he um, continues with his stories, and one story he imagines that he imagines to be true, which isn't true, is that he's going to have to go into hell, like kind of like uh, Orpheus or somebody, um, to retrieve Elizabeth Shue, because that's the person who said who's getting married, but that's the person he's in love with. Um, and, you know, it's Elizabeth Shue. I guess you understand it. But he, she is marrying the good Harry, named Larry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Harry is so consumed and so self-absorbed that he's like, in his imagination, he is saving her from the devil. He is saving her from hell. He's bringing her away from hell because that's what you do when someone else prefers you. Yeah. But ultimately, they're the ones who bail him out of jail. The movie pretty much ends with uh, all the people who were reenacting all these events of his life like Julie Louis-Dreyfus and the guy who plays him and uh you know some other people because you know these are the people that are doing the stories as they're told in the books cannibalistic father the cannibalistic father yes all these people in the stories Tobey Maguire is there they all join him in his imagination the people he wrote so he wrote the people to give him praise and affection yeah. and the love that that he requires because those are the only people those are the only people who could possibly love this guy he had to create them himself and so that's he ends the movie with his own creations his own self-absorbed mm. creations so that is deconstructing harry yeah okay so i know you like woody harrelson no woody i'm allen. sorry well we all do don't we right uh woody allen right so this movie, like, it makes the very obvious point that he's a bad person. Yes. Right. So I don't. You don't have to go searching for is he is his character a bad person or not. No, that he, no. That's just right out there. It's right, right out there. Right. And but then he also like when he is being confronted about his bad behavior, he always turns it on the person who's mad at him. Mm -hmm. 
And I think this is also obviously him being a bad person. Like all his affairs are other people's fault, right? Yes, yes. And but like that's that's just more of it's he's not. I don't think the writer of the film, who's Woody Allen, is trying to justify his actions. He's leaning into, yeah, he really is a bad person. He blames other people mm-hmm. for his problems, right? And, and so, and so, but I think like because he's Woody Allen, right? He's he when he like discusses why he did these things and when he made these mistakes, he's he does it like in this adorkable way. <laughs> yeah. Right, and I didn't invent that word. I think that came from an article that Andy Wilson gave me about The Big Bang Theory, which is a show that I just don't like. And people what? love it, and I just don't like it. Yep. So, Well, and, I mean, you know I don't like that show. Okay. <laughs> but the point is, is like his behavior is awful, but because he's so adorably silly that it's like it's okay. We're sort of okay. Not that we're necessarily okay with his actions, but, but like he – he has no consequences in this film, right? He doesn't have to deal with any consequences. No. And so I, I understand like the point of this film. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that I enjoy it. it it's, it's, it's rough. I felt bad. I, I heard like content wise, it, it's very crazy. Just, just how absurdly gross this person is. Yeah. And also, there's like so much more profanity in this movie <laughs> than in and you know the depiction of hell when he goes to hell it's like kind of gratuitous gross hell so many and, hot tubs and you know there's like weird nudity in hell and stuff it, it's it's kind of absurd like he yeah he leaned into it so much i i think well i don't know i don't want to i mean i do want to speak for him but i i wonder if he's like i can't let my adorableness get in the way of me trying to say it's like i'm trying to say this is a this is a bad guy yeah um but i mean he's so pathetic (laughs) that you almost don't take his badness seriously yeah and i think that's the sin of the film that like Mm -hmm. because of the way it's portrayed we're not able to take it seriously right which is fine he's not trying to make this serious film it's not trying to be a serious i mean it is a comedy yeah yeah right so this movie cost 20 million and it made 10 so not his most profitable film. It's not his one profitable film. His one pro- what's his one profitable film? I'm I'm it, pretty sure Midnight in Paris is his only profitable film. Annie Hall didn't make money. It it may have made money because it was a big deal, but it was still very small even back then. You know, we've never we never watched that for this podcast. We've well, we've only watched this movie in Crimes and Misdemeanors as the yeah, Woody Allen I, stuff. Yeah. I thought for a minute if we were okay one of the okay the category that we're not going to watch I'm pretty sure is mm-hmm. people sharing last names and I thought well we could do a Michael Keaton film and Annie Hall and a Buster Keaton film that would be cool yeah it'd be the I, three I, Keatons but anyway one. yeah but we're not yeah. going to do that probably not going to do it probably not unless yeah. something drastic happens in the next 30 minutes we're not doing yeah. that so yeah all right. Well, man. Uh, I, so yeah, my only question about that film was, why does hell have so many hot tubs? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of satanic hot tubs down there. And actually, I like Billy Crystal, and it's it's weird because like he sees Billy Cri- he's such a bad person, and he sees Billy Crystal as the devil. But Billy Crystal maybe is the most admirable admirable person in the film. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, I totally see it. That's one thing, I mean, one reason, I mean, I was a huge Woody Allen fan before the unpleasantness, right? (laughs) And, like, some of the old Woody Allen movies that I saw when I was young 
was his complaint about the he's like why doesn't this girl like me i'm this yeah. nervous person who is whining all the time and i have so many needs why doesn't this person like me and yeah. that's exactly how i've always been and and so it, it's just kind of i don't know i, I suppose yeah. it's a mirror so it's funny. So because I mean, Woody Allen's getting older, and we have this other podcast where we talk about actors who pass away. And I was talking to Josh about this movie, uh-huh. and he said, "I don't know what we're going to do when Woody Allen passes away because he's kind of a huge deal, right? Right. But we have no idea what we're going to do. So, <laughs> well, I mean, well, you know, I'll be there. Sure. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I, I think. I think, you know, it, I, I, I mean, I can come up with something that you both yeah. would enjoy, but, you know. There's a Woody Allen movie that has Sylvester Stallone in it, so that might that might be enough. So Really? Which one yes. is that? Well, I'm not going to say. Oh, fine, 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 fine. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you, hey, you have any more questions about this film or anything more you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, it is kind of weird that, it, that he was able to get away with this movie because i almost feel like this is his it's it's his uh okay fine i'll just i'll be what everybody says and it just it just doesn't come off as it's like how did you get away with this like we believe he gets i don't know i don't i mean we watch plenty of movies and it's not like none of us have heard the f word before but like movies where they use that one word i feel like every time i hear it my soul is getting split into horcruxes or something right 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 and I do remember, because this movie, okay, and by the way, the reason we watched Deconstructing Harry, one big reason is I had to pick a movie from 1997, because 1997 was the year I was completely out oh, of the yeah. country doing missionary yeah. stuff. And so it's my lost year. So I, mm. I, when, I, when I realized, oh, there's a Woody Allen movie in 1997, I was kind of like, okay, this kind of fits perfectly, kind of kills two birds. It's like my Woody Allen self and my lost year self. But I remember way back in the late 90s when I heard people talking about this movie. They're like, okay, it is absurd because like, hearing Woody Allen say that word is really off-putting. And yeah, yeah it does it a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, John, do you have a tagline? I do for this have film? a tagline. Yes. Let's hear it. Okay. So it's like, you know, you kind of have to be like, it, it's dialogue, you know, so you can kind of see like colon or whatever. So public colon. I'm not sure I can hate Woody Allen more than I already do. Woody Allen, colon, hold my beer. (laughs) Okay, very good. So here's my tagline, deconstructing Harry. Go to hell, Woody Allen. (laughs) That fits. Yeah, it fits. It's very well. (laughs) You know what? Let's pay the bills. uh, Let's hear a word from our sponsors. All right. Uh, First of all, patreon.com slash ours, ours, ours. That is our Patreon. Go to there, uh, pay a dollar, and uh, you'll be able to catch up on all the content we release there, which includes the um tracks, which are very zen-like <laughs> and, and soothing. Uh, we do we do the movie game that you and I play, where you tell me what movies are about that you've never seen, that I've never heard of, mm, uh, yeah. and that's pretty fun. We just recorded another one of those. I don't think it's up yet, but it should be and up very soon. There was one I'd heard of. And there was one you, yeah, you totally got that right. So anyway, that's a lot of fun. Uh, Go to there. uh, And by the way, Katie and I just recorded some content recently um, that I will be putting up shortly. And that is her uh, podcast about our podcast and uh, what we neglected to talk about and some of the things that, uh, 
you know, she considered while listening to the podcast. So it's kind of like a commentary podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys went and covered the movies, the three movies you missed. Um, no, we didn't do that yet. That's in the plan. Oh, um, okay. She talked about, um, like, my brother Mike, who was in the last two podcasts. She okay. She said she uh, had a session where she talked about uh, his favorite movies. And then uh, we had a session about the, uh, what was the other category that we did? Uh, Victory was one of those things. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that, no, that was his. What did we do? What was the category with Mike, my brother Mike? Gosh. Odd couples, thank you. Yeah, she just yelled it from the other room. I forgot the thing. Oh, yeah. Hi, so, Katie. So yeah. So oh, Roy says hi. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So we did that. That's going to be uploaded soon. I haven't done it yet. Okay. And but so, Body Rock is coming up in the future for you. Yeah, too. yeah. We're gonna watch Body Rock. <laughs> we're gonna make time for Body Rock. And that gonna, movie makes me feel so dirty when I watch it. <laughs> we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, I can't okay. wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be. It's gonna be exciting because uh, okay. maybe for the one year anniversary of Body Rock that I never saw. <laughs> so we'll probably do that. Um, okay. So lots of stuff on the Patreon. It's very cheap, and uh, you know, feel free to contribute to that. Uh, also, go to our Zazzle store, zazzle.com/store/rexbassior. I might change that URL, but that's what it is right now. Uh, And you can buy some of the stuff there. Uh, Go to Facebook, most of all. Uh, That way you can vote on genre, you can vote on movies, you can vote on all sorts of stuff. And uh, you'll be able to uh, catch links to the podcast and also uh, see Roy's notes as he he takes them during movies. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, although lately have you noticed what I've been doing? You've been taking notes on the train? I take notes on the train and then I dump them. Oh, is that I, what you've I, been doing? Uh, I, I take note. Yeah, I don't yeah. take them on Facebook. Yeah, you always you always do it uh, when I'm away doing something else. But I yeah. mean, same thing. It's like okay, we go. It's one of my favorite things to do before bed. Is you know, <laughs> like, so I have spotty signal on the train, so I download the movie onto my computer and then I watch it downloaded and I take notes and then I dump. I just dump them. How long is your train ride anyway? It's about fifty-five minutes each way. So I can watch most movies in on the commute back and forth. Yeah, so you needed four train rides to watch Stalker. <laughs> oh, two and a like one and a half anyway. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. So I, I think if I take a ton of notes and I start trying to dump them on Facebook, then Facebook says, "Are you spamming this site?" Uh, <laughs> and it makes me wait like twenty minutes. So. Boo. Yeah, boo. All right. Okay. What anyway. I do miss though is sometimes when I'm when I when I'm taking notes live uh-huh. and someone notices and then they jump in, I miss that. Yeah, so, yeah. I always like doing that. That's always fun. You know. But usually, yeah, usually I have to catch it a couple days later. Okay, so that's that's fun. Okay, so go yeah. ahead and do that. Lots of fun over at yeah. Facebook. Uh, uh, go to our blog, yours, mine, theirs, podcast blogspot dot com, and uh, also send us a, an email, yours, mine, theirs podcast at gmail.com listen to us on spotify listen to us on apple podcasts listen to us wherever you hear podcasts but just make sure you rate us and uh write a review wherever that may be so that's that john let's do some awards it's just the two of us i'm curious how long it takes two people to do this full slate of awards we should know by now we've done this like 10 times i mean yeah okay all right, John, what's your favorite movie title? We seem to fill in the time nicely. I don't know why. Yeah, we're uh, like a goldfish. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mentioned it. I'm going to go The Third Man because I think the title's intrigued me for a long time. Okay. All right. Well, so I'm also going with The Third Man. And I will say in my notes, I switched it because I, I, I told myself, I'm going to say The Third Man. And he's going to say that's a really dumb title. 
because it just like <laughs> and so it's, i switched to just yeah peer pressure i i allowed you to peer pressure me when you weren't actually doing anything at all so uh, i think my work on earth is done yeah i hope you're happy yeah uh so yeah back to the third man what's okay. your favorite movie poster Favorite movie poster? I'm gonna, I guess, Stalker, because they're in the weird mound room, and it looks really yeah. freaky. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder what's going on in that room. Turns out nothing. But, nothing. Uh, yeah. I was so tempted to pick the third man. I kind of really love that poster, but I also chose Stalker. Stalker's third man's a, good. That's a pretty yeah. good poster, yeah. Okay, what's your favorite tagline, John? Favorite tagline? It's Harry Block wrote a bestseller about his best friend. Now. Uh, about his best friends. Now his best friends are about to become his worst enemies. And I picked it because <laughs> I think it's the only tagline. Oh, I from the stalker I chose in theaters soon. Okay. So that got me going. I was yeah. pretty excited for that. Which is weird because, I mean... I mean... Maybe don't put that as your tagline. Well, because, it, I you mean... Know, time's it, finite. And- it, did, did we get that... Did we get that poster, like, 20 years later... Like, I guess I don't know. It's it seems like a movie we wouldn't have seen in theaters, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe they did. Well, actually, I can't even imagine watching that movie in the theater. So, huh. what what's your favorite opening credits, John? Uh, Deconstructing Harry. It, it has the classic Woody Allen font that I'm so familiar with, and yeah. it plays the jazz music, and it introduced us to out of step Lucy jazz editing where she yeah. keeps disappearing around the taxi and uh, you know is if this happened a bunch of times or it's like in harry's mind it's like yeah. in the process of happening is weird yeah it's the it's the eighth go around in his own personal little matrix i guess yes so. yes all right well my, i went with the stalker it was very russian black with gold letters and then a man smoking in a dingy bar and it felt like you said just like that it crowd episode it felt so soviet yes yes so <laughs> Well, what's your favorite titular line? In fact, don't tell me. Okay. I'm just going to play it. It's probably yours. Well, we'll see. Is Mr. Martins engaged on a new book? Yes. It's called The Third Man. A novel, Mr. Martins? It's a murder story. <laughs> That's a great one. Great. I do like that. All right, here's mine. Простите, вас кажется зовут... Так вы что, действительно сталкер? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, I really heard it there. I didn't hear it when I was watching it. Did Blickler Starker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, what's your favorite technology, John? Technology. Uh, it's what the writer affectionately calls a soul detector, but no, it turns out it's a 20 kiloton bomb. <laughs> yeah, I also put the tiny 20 megaton bomblet. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh well, okay. it's a kiloton bomb, not a megaton bomb. So. Oh, it's just a kiloton. Okay. Does a kiloton well, is that megaton. like is that just like twenty hand grenades? Maybe it wouldn't do that much. Think, <laughs> yeah, you usually like think of megatons. Yeah. The the uh, the what do you call it? The mushroom cloud is like a foot tall or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Well, what's your favorite name? Favorite name. I'm going to. Oh, oh! I was gonna. Ah, uh, maybe it's your favorite name, and maybe you have something for it. But well, want to find out? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I don't want this to loop forever. There we go. What's your price this time? No price, Anna. Honest, sensible, sober, harmless Holly Martins. Holly. What a silly name. <laughs> that anyway. is mine. It's Holly Martins. But the it's one a silly name. Yeah, the one I was gonna get a quote for, I think it's in Deconstructing Harry, where 
it's I think it's in Deconstructing Harry where one character says, "Oh, what's her name? Oh, her name is Faye Sexton. That's her sexy name." So I was going to get that quote because it would have been good for the category, even though Faith yeah. Sexton isn't as good as Holly Martins. <laughs> All right, John, what's your favorite food? Uh, Dr. Vinkel's chicken. Uh, that looks pretty good. Tomatoes on the side, kind of. I, you know, I, I'm not yeah. used to seeing chicken like kind of uh, garnished with tomatoes like that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, we also see like his uh, father and his mother eating a meal, and I don't know if it's fish or something, but uh, so here we go. If I tell you why I did it, do you promise not to nudge me? Wolfish by set, in order to hide the bodies, you ate them! So what are you making a fuss? Some berry, some burn, I ate! So I guess the food then is, uh, you know, humans, soylent people. Yeah, his... Secret family and mistress. Yeah. That's good. I like that. I should have picked that. All right. What's your favorite outfit? Uh, This uh, cookie, the prostitute, had this, like, pink top and these pink shorts, like, like, laced on the sides. And it wasn't that great of an outfit, but it's kind of funny because Woody Allen's plan is... Why don't you stay over and you could be you can accompany me to my prestigious award giving ceremony? She's like, okay, fine, that sounds like a deal. You know, you have money, and then she's still wearing the same outfit. And I was like, kind of like we were kind of, oh, why didn't she? Oh, of course she couldn't change her clothes. She just she was just still there. Like, what else could she do? She has to wear her prostitute clothes to his like honoring. Yeah, it's a great outfit. If you went to Party City and you bought the prostitute costume, that's what you're getting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, mine is uh, Detective Calloway's super slippery leather coat. Oh, of so, course. Yeah, you mentioned So that. shiny. Yeah. Uh, all right, John, who's your favorite alien? I'm going to go with Stalker's Child. Ooh, that's what I have too. Monkey. Monkey. That's right. <laughs> the kid's name is, is Monkey. Which and, and again, I don't know what that means as far as my interpretation of the film, that Monkey has actual literal powers. Mm-hmm. Like... Is is it like something that's like okay, one is a prophet and then one is the Messiah or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm sticking with the review I read that said it doesn't make sense to try to make sense of this film. Right. So, so we shouldn't have. So yeah, we wasted we a lot of we we, yeah. we wasted a lot of time watching the movie. We wasted even more time talking. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. What's your favorite special effect? Uh, the character of Robin Williams in oh, yeah. Deconstructing Harry. Yeah, he was out of focus, man. And he was out of focus when everybody else in the movie was in focus. And that was uh, pretty impressive to me. And Woody Allen briefly went out of focus, but then the prostitute talked him back into focus. Yeah, talked him into... Yeah, so... I don't know. He yeah. saved. Redeemed okay, m- by Cookie. Yeah. My special effect is much more complicated. When he's in hell, everything looks red. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, you, you you can't tell me it's just because they put a red lens in front of the camera. So, uh, I, anyway, I, honorable mention is to the entirety of Stalker, where Stalker says, "Don't step over there; something weird will happen," and then they don't step there. Yeah, thank heavens. Yeah, because that would, re- yeah. So it's anti-special <laughs> effects. Can you imagine like an entire season of uh, Stranger Things where they avoid anything bad happening, but it's tense the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Right. Okay. What's your favorite location? Uh, let's go with the f- place in Harry Block's fiction where it's the upstate like lake house where oh. 
his equivalent character has an affair with Julie Louis Dreyfus, a non-discreet affair. Yeah, okay. It's a good lake house. So my favorite location is uh, Vienna, even though it's being controlled by four countries and you might get whisked off by Russia, and uh, a lot of the buildings are kind of in rubble. It's still pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's interesting. City of music and all that. Good food, you know. yeah. A lot of yeah. canted angles. Yeah. Very unnecessarily canted angles, but it's it you know attaches to the vibe. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. okay. So another thing that bothered me about <laughs> Harry is that like other people had serious problems. Not the people whose lives he ruined, but like the guy who was having a heart attack mm-hmm. or thought he was, right? And he said, forget about your heart attack. I've got writer's block. Like he kept <laughs> <laughs> making, you know, it, it's like it's like the office episode where, where Michael Scott keeps trying to stick his foot into the CAT scanner or whatever. <laughs> oh, right. All right, John, it's time for your favorite song. Here we go. He doesn't right. Excuse me, Harry. Stop it. That's good. So I almost picked the Ode to Joy, but yeah. here's what I've got. This is when Tobey Maguire is about to die. Yes? Oh, good, 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 good. That's a good song. Yeah, that's a fun song, yeah. Okay. John, who's your favorite guest? Uh, let's see. Honorable mention, even though he was just on a very recent, recent one, but Paul Giamatti. Oh, um, it was the young Paul Giamatti in in just like deconstructing Harry. He's just one of the people at the school. It's like, hey, at the side of the screen, that's Paul Giamatti, right? From nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, I my winner is Julie Kavner, who's just one of the random people that is one of the members of the family. And uh, she, of course, is the voice of Marge Simpson. She's in a lot of Woody ah, Allen movies. Ah, very good. So my guest is Tugboat Toby Maguire, who uh, one of my favorite clickhole articles of all time is uh, five times Toby Maguire lost it because people wouldn't call him Tugboat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. that's a great article. Anyway, uh, yeah, we have never had a Toby Maguire movie. So here we are. All right, John, external recurring character. Okay, external recurring character. I'm going to go with the big, fat Orson Welles and his lovely cher- cherubic face, who is, of mm. course, in Transformers the movie as the voice of Unicron. Very good. Uh, I have honorable mention Woody Harrelson, who's in uh, you know Stalker white, and White, white Men Can't, can't jump. jump. Yeah, Woody yeah, Harrelson. Gonna... And he wrote and directed uh, Deconstructing Harry. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go, though, with Stormtroopers, who were in Star Wars, the Star Warses, and also Deconstructing Harry. There's like a, a Star Wars-themed birthday party. Oh, the Bar Mitzvah was Star Wars. The Bar Mitzvah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's Bar Mitzvah, yeah. Okay. All right, do you have an internal recurring character? There actually is one which just astonishes me. I'm glad you looked it up. Okay, I have, I have one honorable mention, so come back to me. But my winner is... I'm making a case for it. The afterlife. Okay. In the third man, it's Harry Lyme's afterlife because he's dead and he comes back. 
kind mm-hmm. of. And then in Stalker, in my interpretation, the room represents the afterlife that they never actually go and visit. Mm. Um, and then in Deconstructing Harry, Harry visits hell in order to get his girl back, but uh, he is the devil and he doesn't realize it. Yeah. It's not going to hell. Yeah. Ah, uh, very good. Okay. So, Albert Gamps. I don't know if is I say his name. He was in the music department for the Third Man and Deconstructing Harry. So he must have like, when he was five years old, he played like a tambourine wow. in the the Thin Man. I guess I don't know. My, I have an honorable mention though: breaking your wife's hearts because you're obsessed with the Zone, and also the Zone means hookers. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, my honorable mention is in the movie The Third Man. There's a, a strangely male name named Holly, which is not usually a male name, Holly. Mm. And then in Deconstructing Harry, there's a male name, it's it's Harry's son named Hilly. So oh, Holly yeah. and Hilly, and they don't quite match up, but if you've ever seen the show Red Dwarf, the computer is a man and the computer's name is Holly, and the Starbucks, like later in the show when they kind of switch ships, the computer is a woman named Hilly. And so... We got Holly and Hilly in two different movies here, and then Holly and Hilly are both, and they're both kind of uh, androgynous names in Red Dwarf, too. Ah, very good. Yeah. Well, John, do you have a favorite death in these films? I'm going to have to go with Bob Balaban. The the character's name is Richard, and he just has a heart attack in Woody Allen's car while they're singing and, uh, yeah, going to the the event. (laughs) Well, I'm going with Harry Lime. Man, you know... If if someone has to die in one of these movies, he's he's pretty good. You only die twice, it. as the saying goes. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so both of his, you know, they're both good deaths. Well, do you have a villain, John? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Harry, who is responsible for dead and insane children. Oh, right. I, I went with Harry, Harry Block. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Woody Allen's character. So, yeah, all Harrys in these movies are terrible terrible villains terrible people yeah. yeah okay who's your hero john uh i bet this is your hero i'm gonna go with sergeant Payne from the third man oh i love sergeant Payne. yeah i went with holly martins who uh does the right thing by murdering his best friend <laughs> yes oh boy okay that's how this podcast is gonna end everybody i'm gonna promise that <laughs> that's how it ends <laughs> oh Oh, oh, yeah, I'm running this show. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your favorite movie, Goof? My favorite movie... This is just so embarrassing. But, okay, in the movie Stalker, it's like... The, sh- the first shot is so good, right? I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be really great. And the title card comes up, and it doesn't say Stalker. It says Katankap. <laughs> Jeez, what were they even thinking? Someone okay. really... like. I guess that was just a placeholder? Okay. In the third man, as the very last scene of the film, when Anna's walking past Holly, mm-hmm. and it's on a straight road, but she gets to where the camera is, and she has to bend around the camera on the straight road. But yeah. I mean, what else, what else yeah. can you do? But it's obvious that she you know, can't keep walking straight. She can't because keep walking straight. Right we have to still see her being... Yeah that non-emotive an honorable mention by the way to um in the third man i mentioned the canted angles several times the camera is just on a tripod where one of the legs isn't extended mm. it's just sideways sideways shots in uh, in <laughs> yeah the third man 
All right. Do you have a funniest moment? Uh, I'm just going to go with, and I already mentioned this in the summary, but Woody Allen shows up to like receive his big award, and he shows up in a car with a hooker, with drugs, with a kidnapped child and a dead body. I think that's just super funny. <laughs> okay. Here's mine, and it's a particular part of this quote. But oh, anyway. You look strange. I'm out of focus. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Just just a little bit. You are, mm-hmm. and, and, and you look pale. Daddy, you're all blurry. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe you should go lay Daddy, down. I'll Daddy bring you some focus. tea and toast in bed. Daddy doesn't need that, okay? Focus. Come on, now you be nice. <laughs> Uh, okay, also we heard Marge Simpson's voice there. That was Julie Kaffner. Yeah, very yeah, good. <laughs> that's great. Daddy's out of focus. Yeah, I love that's his mean. kids making fun of him. Yeah. That's mean. I almost picked... I, I'll just quickly say this because I'll forget. I almost picked the kid who taunts um, Holly Martins in the street as my favorite actor. Oh. Yeah, who just calls him out. Yeah. I thought he, maybe he was the third man for a while. Yeah, okay. the little kid with the ball. He's like, oh, that guy murdered the porter. <laughs> John, what has made you the most sad from these films? Okay, this is this is really brutal. But Kirstie Alley is in session with a patient, oh and he. Okay, well, you might as well just stop here. Ready? Uh, okay. Pleasurable things. Oh, you're making me sick. I can't believe this is happening. Oh, like this film is supposed to be a comedy, but her breakdown is just like the it hurts so bad. But you finish your thought. Okay, so that was that was your. Th- she is in session. She yeah. excuses herself to tell off Woody Allen. Um, like, how could you do this to me? What's wrong with you? I'm I'm in a session. And the patient could just hear that. And then she comes back. She continues hearing the patient's story. And then she, she says, excuse me again. And then she tells him off again. And she does that three times. And when she comes back... Yeah. She said, okay, carry on. And the patient just starts sobbing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that poor patient. Yeah. I have an honorable mention. When Sergeant Payne dies. Uh, yes. Oh, why did they have to kill Sergeant yeah, Payne? Yeah, you don't want Sergeant Payne to die. It's like he's the one person in the movie you really like, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have a what the heck, John? Um, I, it, I can't pinpoint it, but I think just it, just the two hour and... 27 minute mark of stalker when i just stood up and i'm like what's going on just tell me <laughs> it's not like a specific point it's like it's just like the last straw like the breaking point was the, the heck yeah so i think that's my honorable mention i have they didn't even go in the room they didn't go in the room <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest what the heck moment is learning that monkey is actually gene gray so okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That. they threw that i mean i almost wonder if the whole kid with telekinetic powers thing is just like okay you know you wanted something fine here's something the kid can move stuff that's it yeah (laughs) all right now go home get out of the theater all right here's john's favorite quote he thinks i'm all jewish paranoia (laughs) i don't think you're paranoid. i think you're the opposite of a paranoid i think you go around with the insane delusion that people like you oh okay (laughs) well all right john here is my quote okay that's the first time I ever saw you laugh. Do it again. <laughs> there isn't enough for two laughs. Oh, uh, she, she has a finite only... amount of laughs, and it's, it's all in her stuff. contract. I only laugh once per movie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know why. I just really love that That's line. Good. So, my favorite, your favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? Uh, the Ferris wheel scene of uh the third man yeah when we finally meet this harry lime guy and he is uh and he's the worst and it's like okay 
you know, I was sad he was dead, but now I wish he was dead. <laughs> you're watching it, and you hear him talk about his criming, and you're like, this is going to be the worst Harry that we're going to have to endure in these films. Yeah. Oh, So my honorable mention is the Solving Crimes montage, oh, which was good. just such a treat. But my favorite scene is the final shot in the whole film when Holly's walking down the street. and No, not Holly. Anna's walking Anna, down the street yeah. and Holly's posting up and she just keeps going. I don't know. I just love it. It's That's a great shot. really great. Yeah. yeah, the ultimate snub. It was a snub that took preparation. <laughs> yeah. Should have caught that plane, buddy. Yeah. John, who's your favorite actor? Uh, Alita Valley playing Anna Schmidt oh, wow. for that scene when she just walked past him. Complete. That's also my favorite actor. We're, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, happy birthday. We're kind of in sync yep, here. Yep. Uh, honorable mention to Russian Woody Harrelson. Not bad. Yeah. So, not bad. okay, John, this is where I get to do some awards for you. Okay. 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 The Johnist character. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Larry. Not not Woody Allen, John. Billy because, Crystal, really? Yeah, you're better than Woody Allen. Um, you're closer to Satan than you are to Woody Allen. Well, I did get LASIK, so... Yeah, there I don't you go. have Very the Woody good. Allen glasses anymore. Yeah. Okay. The most John scene. You know, I man, I I'm gonna. I I think I 100% disagree with that. Uh, I can't even think of the best John scene now. How about uh, the the boy with the ball who tries to get um, Holly arrested for murders? Okay. Fair sure. enough. Well, what scene did you disagree with, and with whom? I put Woody Allen in hell, but it sounded like as we talked about it that maybe you didn't like that scene at all. So, Well, I didn't like it, but it still could be me. That's fine. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay. And then the most John movie. I'm also changing this. I'm going to – I'm my guess. Oh, this is hard. I had Deconstructing Harry because I just know you love Woody Allen, and maybe you're still going to put that at the top. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can never tell from our discussion how you're going to rank things. But let's change it up. Let's say that your favorite is the one you complained the most about. Let's say Stalker. The oh. most John movie is Stalker. Well, because is that my just... favorite or is the most John? It's the most John movie because there's no meaning to be derived. Mm, it's okay. John. Okay. Yeah. Was that hurtful? I didn't mean anything. All right. All right, then. All right, John. You might as well know that uh, the third man, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, the Stalker, 100. Wow. Deconstructing Harry, 73%. That really dragged us down. 91% average. And as far as I can tell, none of these movies made a profit. The Third Man only made $1 million in theaters. Uh, the Stalker made a bountiful $387,000. Oh, what can you do? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. Is I assume that's American money. Uh, yes, I think so. Or maybe it could be Krugerrands. I have no idea. I wonder if... Tarkovsky movies were popular in Russia, like during his time. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know. They're the ones that got out, so they must have been pretty popular. But I don't know. Yeah. All right, John. Well, you got to tell us what's your third favorite of these films. Before I do that, I just I just want to say mm-hmm. we were really looking forward to the birthday thing. I it's not it's the fact that the Criterion is not seeing the movies. <laughs> I think is a big impact on it. I hope you have a much better time with your not seen movies. <laughs> I wasn't going to complain about your films, but you're welcome to. Go ahead. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's hard. I haven't seen these. You never know. You never know. You never know. Um, and and you know what? I did like them all. But okay, very they, good. But they weren't like, 
I don't know. I don't know if they're... There's the reason you haven't seen this? There's a good... I don't know. I don't know if they represented me completely in a a way I want to be represented. Um, My number three, though, I'm going to go with Stalker, and I went number one with Solaris so long ago, but I think Stalker does have a lot to say. I think it could have said it in much less time. I think it was... This one, it it tipped i am surprised that not one critic was like you know what it's pretty long <laughs> i'm surprised <laughs> not one critic said that but it, it, it kind of tipped over into troll territory rather than i have something interesting to tell territory at least mm. kind of for me even though i think there was some really interesting things and it was extremely earnest um but uh a few more fireworks would have helped sure Okay, my number three is is probably not going to shock you. I'm going to go with Deconstructing Harry. Yes. I think I've seen Woody Allen films that I have enjoyed, and, and, and I appreciate things about this film, but it's my third favorite. So totally. we're going to come back around, and my number two is The Stalker. I think that there's a... L- it's a lot of movie to get through, but also there's like some really beautiful stuff in this. And there's some really beautiful shots, especially in this film. Yeah. And, uh, especially of the room. Did you stay for the end credit scene of the room? Uh, no. <laughs> oh man. So is it pretty amazing? Desires coming true. So many, so many fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Stalker's my number two. So anyway, okay. yeah. So what do you got? I'm going to go... What did I say it was? Number, oh, yeah. I'm going to go Deconstructing Harry as number two. It okay. It had... It's kind of funny because that, like, it, it is very offensive, but also it has some zingers, like the line I picked about the uh, uh, <laughs> reverse paranoia. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we both picked The Third Man, so... It's a big uh, classic. It's a really big classic, that one. Yeah. yeah. So did you love The Third Man, or did you just... Um, dislike it the least? Uh, I liked it a whole lot. Um, okay. I think, and it's one of those where I'm kind of like, yeah, this is an interesting movie. It's it's one of those that, you know, we were talking about it and I've been thinking about it all week and I'm like, that was, like, in hindsight, it, it was cooler than it, even it was when I was watching it, which was good. So I think it's, yeah. it's it, you know, up there. Is, I understand why it's a classic. It's It's going to be one I remember. Yes, in the uh, the vein of which of these would I be most likely to watch again tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's the only one I'm watching again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I, I want to say all of those critics who uh, you know 100 percent of critics appreciate Stalker, but I don't know how many of them watch Stalker a second time. So if you could play Stalker in your house in the background, if you were having like a snobby party and people mm-hmm. could just kind of notice it and be impressed with you. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. That's what it's about. Okay. Oh, I should mention that our fans picked The Third Man as their favorite and Stalker second place. All right, then. Uh, future business. John, we're going to need Katie's help. Because okay. she's our next guest. Hi, Katie. Hi. Katie. The time has come for you to rejoin our podcast in an official capacity. Nice. And since this is your third go, we are watching movies exclusively from your birth month, and one of them must be from the birth month and birth year, and it's my understanding that you narrowly avoided watching the greatest sci-fi horror film of all time. Yeah, John talked me out of it. Yeah, I guess, so I, I've, I've known for some time that horror is not your thing. Um, I don't know what to say. It's, it's like, 
you kind of it feels like one of those movies that you you should watch at some point but also if you hate horror movies maybe you shouldn't so there you well, go well i watched aliens and so yeah. i thought oh we'll watch the one before that and john explained that they weren't quite the same genre not the same genre although i will say it's not like you're watching event horizon it's not like a horrific horror film it is it's like 40 percent sci-fi 60 percent horror yeah if that makes sense neither anyway. of which are really my thing well there you go yeah. Yeah. well i am excited to hear what three movies are your things yeah all right uh so i was born may 1979 and surprisingly like when the movie posters come up it's a bunch of old looking movies and then alien so it was <laughs> uh, i'm like this is a mistake and it wasn't um a movie i did not choose was stalker <laughs> i was about to say stalker <laughs> and i kind of feel like i accidentally maybe inceptioned that into john because when we were looking at them a long time ago he goes oh stalker i've always wanted to see that oh my and I gosh feel like, yes <sighs> i feel like i flagged it on accident <laughs> I forgot about that. Were you? Uh, you didn't say anything then when I said, "Hey, we're watching." Stalker. I think I forgot that that was on the list because <laughs> it, yeah. it it popped up when you looked this week. You're like, "Oh yeah, that's right, Stalker." Okay, yeah, that's funny. Um, and I would have loved to have watched the Muppet movie, but we've already done that. I love the Muppet movie and Quadrophenia. We've also done so. Wow. I guess May 1979 was more popular than I expected. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, so I am also not choosing Apocalypse Now. We, we've Which done you've that already one. Done. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have just taken them all. <laughs> um, tempted to choose Over the Edge, but I didn't. It didn't okay. Happen. So I went with uh, a movie that I'd never heard of and none of us have seen, I'm pretty sure, kind of classy looking, called My Brilliant Career. Okay. It's an Australian movie, and I also think it's nice because it will redeem Judy Davis from chasing after Woody Allen to being chased by Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Okay. Ooh, how nice. I know. Okay. Which one is Judy Davis? She was Lucy. Lucy, the real the, Lucy. The real, the Lucy, real no. life Julie Louis Dreyfus. Right, right, right. Biography, drama, romance. This is a true story? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's Australian. A proud, it's an Australian a proud young woman in early 20th century Australia must choose between marriage and independence. That's fascinating. Okay. Okay. It, it has really high reviews. Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Fantastic. Good. My brilliant career. Okay. Okay. May 1989. There's also some stuff I thought about choosing. Um, Roadhouse was really tempting. <sighs> Um, do the right thing but although I think John has the correct opinions and his heart is in the right place he doesn't express them very well in controversial (laughs) racial categories and I don't want to be on record recorded somewhere discussing Uh, it yeah (laughs) okay Okay. so I'm going to go the opposite of my brilliant career and choose a very popular movie that we've all seen and that we all love called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Okay. Thank heavens. We're, I can't believe it has taken five years to watch an Indiana Jones. Yeah, it'll be our first one. Uh, I hope I can follow it, but it is a really good one. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, wow. uh, May 1999. I was all set. This was like planned out weeks ago. I was going to do Notting Hill because I love it so much. But Mike oh. did it, so that was great. You guys yeah. already did it. 
And so um, we, when we discussed that, I realized that that might be my favorite 90s rom-com of all time. Oh, yeah. John and I talk about it in the little 15-minute clip that I did, how much yeah. I love it. I would watch it constantly in, in college. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's I, the rom-com I saw in, in the 90s, so I like it. And I have the soundtrack, <laughs> okay, and I listen to the soundtrack all the time, and yeah, it's great. Mm. Um, I was not tempted by uh, Star Wars Episode One. So I just decided to yeah. skip May 1999 altogether and go to May 2009. Oh, oh, very good. Um, also, again, we're not going to watch The Hangover or Angels and Demons. Yeah, okay. Good, but, good, good. Um, so this time we're going to go with another really popular movie that everybody really likes, but that I have never seen. Oh. Um, Inglorious Bastards. <gasps> Ooh. Roy, you've seen that one. I have. Okay. Do you have a strong stomach? Um, well, it's not alien. It's Nazis, it's right? It's not a horror Nazis. film. Nazis. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yes, so it's 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 a it's got Quentin Tarantino level violence. There is yeah, yeah there is some I think I think it's the yeah. only Quentin Tarantino movie that I haven't seen. Okay, so I'm sure you'll be fine. It, it, I I I think it's really good. It is really film. good. And I Katie, I'm sure we talked about this, but I think you asked my opinion of it. I think I said it was my favorite one. Maybe. Everyone that I mentioned it to, their first response is, you haven't seen it? It's so yeah. good. But it, Christopher Waltz is so good in he, this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is so amazing. Here's the thing about Inglorious Bastard. I'm just going to say this because I'm going to forget to say it later. It has like my favorite Tarantino moments and scenes, and it also has my least favorite. But the favorite trumps it. Like The things I don't like about it are just... like I, This would have been so easy to do better, but... The good stuff is so good. Hmm. That's me. I met Quentin Tarantino at Sundance once. Ooh, I love this story. He wasn't very nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He was just talking to all these people and taking all these pictures. And then my friend and I went up and we're like, hey, can we have a picture? And he's like, no, I'm tired. I'm leaving. (laughs) And then we had given someone our camera before saying like, hey, uh, we're going to ask him to take our picture, but we don't want to like take his time. And so the guy just took a picture anyway, but I'm just out of frame. So it's my friend talking to Quentin Tarantino, which kind of looks cooler oh. than smiling and posing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that, that would be a, a great It would have been dumb. I'd just be in the background yeah. anyway, like, hey. I, I, think, I think it's a, the, the, the saddest thing about that story is not that Quentin Tarantino was a jerk to you, but that Quentin Tarantino was this friendly, gregarious person to everyone right before you <laughs> yeah i might not we might not have approached him if we hadn't seen him yeah being like oh he looks like yeah be fine he is really weird looking in person though oh that's funny. right it i yeah i i always wonder when i see his weird face i'm like it's gotta it's look more distorted in real life right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right okay ma'am so those are gonna be great yeah. i'm very excited uh uh, the two of those three are really good movies, and the other one, I'm sure it's lovely. It'll be so, a good contrast. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I tried to okay. mix it up, but then I, I ended up choosing two Nazi movies. So. <laughs> Whatever. All right. So hmm. we're going to have that in two weeks. My Brilliant Career, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Inglorious Bastards. And then two weeks after that, you got to come back for your community service, and we are watching road trip movies. Hooray! It sounds like you're very very excited for yeah. yes okay you're gonna get a pick one the fans are gonna get a pick one and i'm gonna get a pick one and i already know my movie and i, I already know so my movie excited. 
All right. Well, then we know at least we're going to have two really good movies, and then we'll see if the fans don't just screw it up. Vote for the trip. So, the fans. Vote for I the almost trip. chose a road trip movie as one of my movies because in 1999 it was the Straight Story. Oh, uh, that's a pretty good movie. That's I, good. It had really good ratings, and I wanted to yeah. see it at the time. Yeah. So, so I've never seen uh, Tu Wong Fu. It'd be uh, that would be, be a great one. I think I'm going to go ahead and nominate for the poll. I want to put uh, Two for the Road with Audrey Hepburn mm-hmm. out there and then also Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, put the straight story in there. That's what I want. Put yeah. put the trip well, to then, Greece in there. That's my vote because Katie watched the trip and then we also watched the trip to Italy. And the next is the trip to Greece, I think. Or maybe it's the trip to Spain. Whatever. Um, Are they driving cars in those? Yes. The first but they're on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, very good. So I'm not going to remember any of that. And so when I put the call out for movies, you guys should actually respond with those films. And then we'll Fine, we'll make us do all the work. Role. Fine. I'm going to make um, you do that, some of the work. I also want to say road trip movies. This is a pet peeve of mine with you, Roy. Mm-hmm. Every time <laughs> you guys have a really stupid category come up, you say, was this one of Katie's categories? Like oh, I'm just going on the spreadsheet Given dumb ideas. Yeah, she, yeah she's not <laughs> and I don't. spreadsheet. I run them through John, and then if he approves them, they put he puts them on there. And yes. road trips move. Road trips is one of my ideas, so it's a good category. It, so good. it is it's one of your uh, yeah. And I can't and stop I blaming I me. I, there's I don't three times that, you've said it. Well, I don't think I said it this time, but if you'd like to, I can, and John can edit it in. <laughs> <laughs> is this no, like Katie's no. ideas. Yes. Uh, like, does, does it sound like that when I say it? Yes, I, because I just, it's really can... stupid ideas. And you're like, <laughs> who put, you say, who put this on the list? Was this one of Katie's ideas? I, I think, I mean. And I'm not going to name names, but I have some ideas of who they might be. But the thing is, my ideas are, are the dumbest ideas that no one agrees in, with. And and I put stuff on, and I, and, and I, and Katie picks hers. I'm like, okay, that, that would be good. But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, it's not as good as my idea, but everyone hates my ideas. Like really. Uh, yeah. Like, you may really have noticed do. that yeah. John didn't have a single proposed category that won a poll last That's year. That's right. For the <laughs> we, entire year. we checked the stats and no one, yeah, it's no one bad. likes my ideas. Yeah. And a road trips no is great. I mean, how many road trips have you already done? Muppet movie, midnight run, duel. Yeah. Although duel is like a commute movie, not a road trip. I, I guess we need to define road trip. I think this is good. I think a road trip is a car with more than one person in it. Makes a car it a with trip. more than one person. Well, uh, well I think a, a straight vehicle. story. A straight story is a road trip. He drives across the whole country oh, on a long road by him. himself. Well, we can but count gonna, the straight story though. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say a motorized vehicle on a road. You are driving a motorized vehicle on pavement that with more than one with at least one passenger. And motorcycles count. Uh. Uh, yeah, you know, like I would say rider. yes. Easy, easy, rider. easy Rider. Yeah. I think Easy Rider counts. So mostly because like Smokey and the Bandit is about a truck driver, and I'm going to call that a road trip because he picks okay. up Sally Field. I, I'm going to make a declarative statement about road trip movies. I kind of feel like at least four rubber tires are important. So no, like a hovercraft can't go down a road. I'm just going to make no. the statement now. No hovercraft so no road longer, movies. No longer motorcycles? Oh yeah, two 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 tires. Yeah, two tires. But but in well, no no no. I think I think I think it has to be at least four tires because like in Easy Rider, there are two guys on motorcycles. So I so a total of at least four tires. Okay, so it must be on a paved road. Yeah, with tires that touch the road. Yeah, yeah. The tires have to touch the road. And they're driving it, so no trains. No trains. 
No horses. No trains, no horses. No derailed trains on roads. So no wagon <laughs> no wagon trains? Yeah. And no planes on runways, on long runways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm glad we got this. Yeah. Okay. So I will say, uh, uh, Katie, I apologize if I have been condescending. It's not been my intention, but I've just known John for so long that it's – it. I feel like I can tell. <laughs> Start blaming and, him. Uh, and so, yeah, but like as John points out, he's the one with the stupid ideas because no one's picking him. It's not yeah. an extension of him. It's my fault for stupid ideas and for uh, opinions. Uh, uh, I yeah, I've I've learned that everything's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what can you do? Yeah. Hey, uh, we don't have any categories to nominate this go around because after your community service, I'm just going to force you guys to watch three movies that I've never seen before, and I think I got my list down i think i'm ready to go i'm really excited about this uh and I again i cats yeah <laughs> i hope it's dirty dancing i when, when i wanted I pick, john to choose dirty dancing he's never seen it yeah that's what i've heard yeah oh. and and i'm i was kind of like when i watched these three movies i'm like i should have picked dirty dancing of course so i've got 30 movies i'm not picking and i'll discuss my rationale <laughs> as quickly as i possibly can with those so, there are a lot of movies that i that i wanted to do so bad and i thought you know what there's some categories that I can force these movies into. Yeah. By the way, we have time. Don't do all the 30 movies at once. I, I'm curious. How about a preview? How about just say five movies that you're not doing right now? Oh, doggone it. Cats. Uh, I'm I'm going to keep that one. Uh, I'm going to keep be watching that Cats. One That's fine. That's fine. I want to see Cats. Someone that we know just watched Cats and they were like, I actually really liked it. Once you get past the outfits. Yeah. <laughs> so John and I have already discussed this. And uh, so I'm not going to be picking Desperately Seeking Susan. I think yeah. it'll maybe be a waste of time. Okay. Yeah, I fun, had though. considered Cabaret mm. uh, with Liza Minnelli. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's and right then out. also I was looking at possibly Godzilla Minus One. Oh, it's so good. Katie, Katie's seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like didn't it's see too it. Too new. Yeah, it's so new that it's not one of those movies that I never watched that movie. I, how yeah, can I never watch it if it's still? Yeah, yeah. John so. and I got in a fight on New Year's Day, and he wanted to stay home and do nothing, and I wanted to go out. So I went out and saw Godzilla minus one without him. Oh, very good. And it was so good, so excellent. I will say this: my picks are a classic, an '80s classic, and. A critically acclaimed film. So those are my okay. Things. Cool. Good. So, um, so the John Hughes film. She's having a baby three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're there. Three, three men and a baby. Three men, and a little lady, and three men and a crummy teen. I don't know if there's a third think, one. Oh gosh, I don't know if there's a third one. Three men at Bernie's for the weekend. Yeah. So. All right, all right, folks. Well, hey, that's all we got for this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, we did, we did not take that much time. Not as much time as we usually do. That's good. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. When it's just the two of us, we can cruise right through yeah. this because I don't know. We don't like each other enough to talk about stuff. It's, I don't it's know a professional relationship. Yeah. <laughs> all right, John. Thank you so much. You, Always sir. a pleasure. Uh, these movies were a real delight and uh, had trouble. With all the laughing I was doing. I, a lot of laughter. A lot of laughter. A lot of laughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, hey, Katie, I can't wait to uh, talk in two weeks. And these are going to be some great They're movies. Great. So. Good, good. And uh, road trips. It's going to be great. What a great Katie category. Yeah. Who came up with that? Was it Katie? <laughs> is, <laughs> is Katie. Arr, you're so good at categories. Okay. All right, you two. We'll see you again in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye, everyone.
Okay, how about this? Who directed it? Uh, I mean, when we're talking that old uh, Cecil B. DeMille, I, that's probably even before him, huh? Fritz Lang? <laughs> Stop guessing. You were right the first time. Cecil B. DeMille. Oh, there you go. Yeah. The Holy Wars of the 12th century gave Cecil B. DeMille fine fodder for his <laughs> brand of historical spectacle with this sweeping effort entreated to reclaim Jerusalem from the conquering Saracens Richard the Lionhearted, Henry Wilcoxon, finances his campaign via a lovely French princess, Loretta Young, but underestimates the canny opposition of Saladin, Ian Keith. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd see that. Uh, Pre-Ten yeah. Commandments. Cecil. <laughs> okay, uh, this movie, 1943, starring Anthony Quinn, Lloyd Nolan, William Bendix, Richard Jekyll, Lionel Stander. <laughs> Good uh, for him. Preston Foster and Richard Conti. Uh, and the movie is called Guadalcanal Diary, 1943. Okay. Uh, something important happened to the Guadalcanal? I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I don't remember my world history very well. See, I'm glad you're thinking of it this way, but I just realized that I'm in the based on a true story section of the uh, Movies Unlimited catalog. You sure seem to be. Uh, this, yeah. I'm assuming, is another World War II movie. Uh, Guadalcanal's got to be somewhere in the the Pacific theater. And uh, there were brave soldiers who, uh, you know, fought the Japanese and some people died. Okay. Um, yeah. MacArthur might be in this. I don't know. Made almost simultaneously with the American assaults on Japanese-held islands in the Pacific, this gritty look mm. at day-by-day struggles of a melting pot marine squadron is based on the novel by war correspondent Richard uh, Tregask. How can it, it – it was made in 1943, and it was based on a novel about the things that happened – things really two weeks ago. fast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, having all those people um, – uh, all those people are among the battle-worn soldiers, directed by Lewis Seiler, who also directed a movie called Whiplash, not the Whiplash that I've seen, uh, because that was uh, a century later. 